0: here we are, episode 22. We made it all the way to 22 of the F and Marks podcast. Oh yeah! I am the macho man, Bobby the Brainless. Wow, you combine two gimmicks. Awesome. It's not very often, huh? And then, uh, I'm Ja Rule. And, uh, the, for episode 22 here, you know... Instead of doing a wrap-up of what's going on this week in wrestling, we're going to kind of do a wrap for the year since it's the last day of 2016 when we're recording this. We're going to talk a little bit in general terms about uh, news that happened this week uh, in wrestling, but uh, beyond that, uh, it's going to kind of be a year in
1: review. But We're going to talk about uh, a lot of things like the, the brand split that, that occurred this year, uh, some surprising people making their debuts in the wwe happening this year whether it was from outside of wwe or uh, just getting called up from nxt uh we're going to talk about things that happened outside of the wwe that happened this year as well sure um because there there was something that happened in the other company that shall remain nameless, I guess.
0: Well, the, there are a lot of things that happened in that other company that weren't so tremendous this year. But
1: but there was one thing that actually was tremendous, and it, and it really hurts me to say it. So All right. Uh, but there was also um, stuff outside of wrestling that was kind of wrestling-related that happened this year that a lot of people have been talking about for a while. Um, well, and one of those things that
0: happened actually kind of happened last night. Yeah. Where we had uh, Ronda, Ronda Rousey getting her ass absolutely handed to her. And I think this may be her ticket to the Performance Center at NXT sooner than we think. You know, she was a dominant force in MMA for, you know, the last handful of years. And she is just, she got her butt kicked the last two times in the ring. I I just don't think she has the uh, fire she needs to go out there and compete at the level she needs to, if she wants to be a champion at
1: this point, so... I agree. I I think it's going to be interesting to see what happens with her. Um, I know that Jonathan Coachman, a former WWE employee who now works for ESPN, uh, was very vocal about the fact that what's the point of bringing her in? Um, you know, because she's kind of like, I guess you would say, broken from the fact that she went from being at the top of the UFC world to losing her last two fights that she had especially the one that she had last night where she lost in 48 seconds. Um, so pro- I'm sorry, spoiler alert, if you are not aware that Ronda Rousey lost in 48 seconds. Yeah, it's seconds. everywhere. But, I mean, it's, it's everywhere. You know what? i got to take these off. I
0: can't. I just I can't. What did that last, like three minutes? Something like that. You know, for me, the thing with Rousey is if she had been dominant and won last night and decided she was going to retire and go into WWE, I would say she would have skipped several steps in the process of trying to become a, a superstar, I think with her losing, she kind of has to now. if she wants to do this, she needs to build from the ground up where, you know, she needs to prove herself to the wrestling fans and, you know, build herself up the old fashioned way. If that's what she wants to do. Uh Yeah. She's, you know, her, her brand per se is tainted by the fact that she got absolutely demolished the last two times out, but I don't think it's, you know, out of the question that she could turn herself into a good performer in the ring and become something that, you know, the wrestling fans enjoy. Because, you know, it would have been nice to have somebody with, you know, a legit uh, background in wrestling to kind of legitimize uh, the women wrestlers as more badass than they already are. I mean, Charlotte Flair is
1: doing an awesome job in the, uh, the women's division for... uh um, you know, for the, for the one that I brought, squad. I mean, they haven't really pushed anybody else. Smackdown, it's kind of like a lot of women are really stepping up and just getting into character. Where Charlotte is like that legitimate badass, where she is the the queen, so to speak, of the women's division. Uh, I think she would. She's really like the best that they have going right now. She's not at the level like like the the brute force that Ronda Rousey was. You know, when, she was, when, she, was at, yeah, when she was at WrestleMania a couple of years ago. Yeah, she was at WrestleMania a couple years ago with The Rock. And I really think that her stock, like you said, did take quite a bit of a tumble. Yeah. Um, I mean, to be honest, I, 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 her coming in, is it any worse than James Ellsworth coming in? I mean, think about it.
0: She already has more name marquee than Ellsworth does. But, again, she would need to build the credibility with the WWE audience. She would right. need to have, you know good matches, she would need to work at the craft and, you know, not just be a badass. She would need to be good on the mic, and she would need to not hurt people in the ring, learn how to be a uh, performer as opposed to a complete ass kicker.
1: Her thing is is that if she's not going to continue her UFC career, and it doesn't really look like it's going to happen where she's going to uh, continue, either she's going to have to go to either WWE or she's going to have to become a movie star. And with her as a movie star, I just don't see it happening because she's kind of like that one-trick pony. She can't really play a lot of different roles. She can pretty much play like the bad woman in a in a in a movie where she's the villain, or if she's just playing like an enforcer. It's not like you're going to see her. Well, in I a mean, romantic- she was
0: in the Expendables, right. which was a you know perfect role for what kind of her personality or at least her public perception is.
1: I mean, we're not going to see her in a romantic comedy with Seth Rogen is what I'm trying to get at.
0: Right. You know, it'll be interesting to see what happens with her, but you know, and this will be probably a weird comparison for people, but you know, Ronda Rousey and the way you know, her career has gone lately it kind of reminds me of kind of the decline of Mike Tyson. Mike Tyson was just this badass who absolutely mutilated everybody out there. And towards the end of his career, you know, he was still punching hard, and he was, you know, having kind of, the fights were more or less enjoyable, but, you know, Tyson has said, you know, since he's retired, he was like, you know, my heart wasn't in it. I, you know, I needed money, but I I did not have the killer instinct that I had when I was in my young 20s. I was just going out there for a paycheck, more or less. And I think the thing that happened with Rousey was, you know, she kind of lost that spark, uh, or to coin the, uh, she lost the eye of the tiger. and
1: Nice Rocky Balboa reference, by the way. You're welcome,
0: yeah. Uh, but, <laughs> I mean, I think she just kind of lost the fire that you need to be, you know, at the top of your game when you're going in and ca- combat sports, and like, literally, it could be a, a life or death situation, because, I mean, you have these people choking you out, this, that, and the other thing,
1: but... You know, you need to, like, be on absolute edge. Right. I absolutely agree with you. And I think the Mike Tyson comparison is actually a really good one because that was the thing about Ronda Rousey when she was at the top of her game before she lost to, I think it was Holly Helm? Holly Holm. Holly Helm, Holly Holm, whatever. It doesn't really matter. She's not champion either, so. Um, (laughs) Sorry. Uh, But, yeah, that's pretty much that was the best comparison because when Ronda Rousey first got in there and she was the dominant force that she was, she was going in there and knocking people out in the first round. Same thing with Mike Tyson, you know, when Mike Tyson was at his youngest, you know, he's going up against, you know, Foxcar Joe and all those other schmucks that he was, you know, knocking out in, like, less than a minute. You know, people were paying, like, 40 or 50 bucks for a Mike Tyson pay-per-view, and he's knocking people out. Nobody cares because, you know, they wanted to see it. You know, him getting into the, um, him getting into all that trouble with, like, the, the sexual assaults and and then you yeah, know, the go to
0: jail for a few years, yeah. and then coming back.
1: And then you know, losing the Buster Douglas really hurt his career. And then that whole incident where he bit Evander Holyfield's ear, and you know, Mike Tyson's boxing career was pretty much over after that part. And you know, I mean, he's done well for himself after his. He's because, his crap yeah, out. Yeah, because he's, he's Mike Tyson. I mean, who doesn't want to see Mike Tyson? I love Mike Tyson. I was a huge Mike Tyson fan as a kid. I loved watching him go out there and knock those guys out in like less than a minute. I mean they even had one of the guys he fought was in a Pizza Hut commercial. where The guy's going to eat the the uh the stuffed crust pizza and he goes to, you know, tilt, you know, tilt the pizza the other way and boom, hit him in the face and the guy gets knocked out. And it's it was just fantastic. And um I think it's good.
0: Uh we just had a question about uh, Mike Tyson or Rocky Marciano and I'm guessing that's in their prime. Uh I don't know for me and this is just because being a, a child of the 80s and 90s, I would go with Tyson. I never really saw Marciano, and I don't know what the level of competition he had was, but Tyson at his best, which I would say when he went against Michael Spinks, who many considered, like, they're like, oh, this is the first true test to go against Mike Tyson, and he obliterated him in a minute, minute and a half. I mean, it was just an absolute destruction of a guy that everybody thought was like, Oh, this is the guy who's going to finally put a fight out there and knock the fuck out of the ring, right? I mean that—that was absolute dominance right there. And again, because I saw it with my own two eyes, I would think it would be
1: Tyson. But I'm gonna—I hate to you know you know rebut what you just said and everything, but that's fine. um, I'm gonna—I'm gonna quote one of my all-time favorite movies in this situation. What about Rocky Marciano? He beat Joe Lewis' ass. He was 137 years uh, old. Uh, 137 years old. Okay. I mean, case in point, Rocky Marciano was undefeated. I think he was what? Either 49. 49 and or no, he was 49 uh, and 0 when when he retired. That's incredible.
0: And Mayweather but, made a big deal. Yeah, Mayweather he Mayweather made a, yeah, 0 when you know, he retired.
1: and and you know, trying to compare Mayweather to these guys, and I know I really well. I mean, size
0: it. is a different. I'm, I don't
1: want to really get into the whole Mayweather. I really didn't want this That's to turn fine. into a boxing podcast, but you know what? That's fine. I have no problem discussing Mike Tyson and Rocky Marciano. Mike Tyson was one of those guys. He was great to watch because of the fact that he went out there and he knocked those guys out really quick. But he did lose. He lost a lot. He lost more than one championship fight. He lost. And a lot of people say the greatest upset in professional sports history when he got knocked out by Buster oh. Douglas. He lost to Vander Holyfield, I think, twice. He lost to Holyfield. Well. uh he legitimately
0: lost the match the first time, and then the and second the one was the, the ear-biting ear thing, which but, was like no contest, but a loss on his... But,
1: I mean, for Rocky Marciano, I mean, you know, I know he didn't fight in the same era as Mike Tyson, but, you know, 49-0, still 49-0. Well, I mean, for,
0: for me, the question is more about, in the prime, if they had one match... I think that not, would knock him out. You know, versus, like, career-wise, career, career wise, Marciano was undefeated, so you have to go career-wise, Marciano. But, like, if you're talking, like, an
1: actual... If they came to blows in their primes, I would go with Mike Tyson. If we're going to go longevity, like, throughout their careers and what they've done, Rocky Marciano. Rocky Marciano! Rocky Marciano! That's day one! That's day one! He beat Joe Lewis' ass! For those who don't understand, that's a uh, Coming, Coming to, to America. America reference. Movie well, my, from the 80s. I absolutely love that movie. I absolutely love it. Uh, Eddie Murphy's one of my favorite actors of all time. Uh, very rarely does he come out with a bad movie, except for like in the last, the last 10, 10, 10, 15 10 years. years. Yeah. Uh, Eddie Murphy, for people who don't know Eddie Murphy that well, Eddie Murphy in the 80s and 90s is what, I guess you could say, Kevin Hart is now, and what Dave Chappelle was at the beginning of the 2000s? Uh,
0: something like that. Or I even think. like
1: Martin Lawrence? I would say
0: Kevin Hart is probably the best yeah. comparison because they were both
1: comedians that got it. I mean, that Grant Dichotel was, yeah,
0: solved And Murphy just got to a different level right. than everybody else. But um, All right, so if we're going to somehow round this back into uh, professional wrestling in some oh, way, shape,
1: or form. Well, forth. I mean, we could round it into professional wrestling, but I did bring up something else that happened in 2016, no, I, I, I agree with you on that one, S.I. Strangler. Kevin Hart doesn't hold a candle to Eddie Murphy. I'm just, I'm looking at it from, just as an example of, I understand. I mean, yeah, that's kind there, of hard.
0: Well, I mean, Eddie Murphy was the a... number one actor in the world for about a decade. Kevin Hart is not the number one, no. you know, actor in the world. Example. but uh, Kevin, I don't think it's a bad example. It's just uh, when you're thinking about comedic actors, who who's the first Person that really comes to mind right now. Right now, Kevin Hart. Unfortunately, I mean, there are people out there like Will Ferrell, but Will Ferrell is not
1: nah, anything is more like, like that. like Saturday Night Live guy. He didn't. get yeah, but uh, like a stand-up I'm, comedian. When I think of Eddie Murphy, I think of a guy who started out as a stand-up comedian who then made it into Hollywood as an actor. I, he I, was on Saturday Night Live, guess by the way. That's that's fine. All right, fine. You win that one. Maybe I'll just shut out this this podcast um but yeah i agree maybe kevin hart doesn't no he's <laughs> not in the same that's, that's also very true <laughs> uh, people don't know what you're i'm sorry uh, they brought up the fact that will Ferrell isn't black is either um as another good comparison um that's i hate to say that's the way that people describe it i mean there's really nobody now that really stands out with somebody who was a who was a comic who became one of the top actors uh, uh in the profession uh,
0: Alright, I'm going to round
1: this back to wrestling. Okay. We'll take
0: a guy who started off in something else and ended up the number one actor in the world. The Rock. The Rock is currently the number one actor as far as grossing for movies in the world.
1: Wow, I I completely forgot about that happening this year.
0: And The Rock went from, you know, being, you know, kind of a failed... Football star. I mean, he did well in college. I would even,
1: you know, I wouldn't even say he was a failed football star. He had a bad knee injury in college that really just. I mean, he was everything. a national champion, yeah. and he was he was he the, of the depth chart on, of Warren Steph and Warren Steph's in the NFL Hall of Fame.
0: And you know, just ended up not being able to make it as a professional player. Like he played a couple years in Canada, but then he he was like, all right, this isn't working out. Had his dad train him, and obviously became the ob- the top one of the top men in WWE in the, you know, late 90s, early 2000s, and absolutely has exploded in Hollywood and has done quite well for himself. So maybe the comparison, even though it's not apples to apples, is like being a comedian, Hmm. but, you know, kind of coming from here
1: and then... Starting from the bottom and then ending up here. Yeah, I I see that. So we'll go with that, right? (laughs) But. It's a joke now anyway, get it, yeah? Hey. I, I do get it, yeah. wrestling is a joke, um, I can't argue that either. <laughs> it's um, true, but... Especially because it is The Rock's cousin that has made professional wrestling a joke, now. Joe? So it's, it's yeah, Samoan Joe. Not Samoa oh, Joe, Joe, who's so. down at NXT, I'm talking about Samoan Joe, Annoyee, or whatever the hell you want to pronounce his last name. He's the reason why professional wrestling is a joke. Well, no, part of it, but... Um, um, speaking of other people who have some kind of ties to professional wrestling that went on to do other things, I mean it's a horrible segue, but it did happen in 2016, and that is WWE Hall of Famer Donald Trump is now the president of the United, or will be the president of the United States in, in exactly three weeks, twenty days, three, January twentieth three of 2017, crazy, three weeks from tomorrow, or from I'm sorry, not Today. From, so from yesterday. 21st, and it's, you know, three weeks. This, three this, the weeks. Inaugurations on Friday. Strange. I know, and believe me, if it was on Saturday, I'd be going up to Washington, D.C. That'd be crazy. But uh, I, uh, I just, I had to bring up that because, I mean, it is I, something that that's wrestling-related. That happened in 2016. Um, it's, I'm still in shock, believe it or not, even though I did vote for Donald Trump, but I'm still in shock that he actually won the election, and, um... I think it's interesting that it's happening because he went from being this businessman who, whether you like him or not, he uh, he did a bunch of stuff for
0: wrestling. For like wrestling. He, I mean, literally, he hosted a couple of WrestleManias. He was one of the main storylines that actually got that WrestleMania 23 card. Like you know, the for for the longest time, it was the highest-grossing. Uh, pay-per-view in WWE history. So, you know, what Donald Trump did a lot of good for the wrestling business, and, you know, it's interesting now that he's going to be our president, and we have a WWE Hall of Famer as president. and We have
1: a former WWE executive who's going to be running the Small Business Bureau under the Trump administration as well, as Vince McMahon's wife, Linda, will be running that. Yeah. I think that's an incredible addition to Donald Trump's. Uh, cabinet and everything. So, um, Thanks for the love on Twitter. We appreciate that. Or Podbeam or whatever it's coming from, one or the other. <laughs> no, it's
0: on Twitter. Oh, is it on Twitter? Yeah, we're, we're, get, we're getting uh, kisses and hugs. It's tremendous. <laughs> but, yeah.
1: <laughs> Sorry, that was funny. Uh, somebody had put that Trump is better when he's not taken seriously, and since we have to take him seriously, he sucks. It's it's going to be interesting when he's our president. It really is. That's the best <laughs> word to describe what it's going to happen when Donald Trump is running this country.
0: Uh, obviously, uh, as you know, Americans, our hope is that you know he does well. Because if he doesn't do well, then you we're know fucked. we're we're in bad shape. So uh, let's hope that things go all right with him. All right.
1: Exactly. Um, yeah. I mean, that's pretty much a lot of the stuff that we. Uh, touch base that happened outside of professional wrestling that was related to professional wrestling.
0: Um, Now, uh, if we're going to, like, kind of circle back to wrestling, this thing isn't something that happened in the ring. Uh, Ryback actually did an interview uh, in the last week or so, or like a podcast or something, and more or less what Ryback is claiming is that Triple H told him specifically that they no longer uh, want to have marquee names like John Cena. I think the, the thought is, at least with WWE, uh, there are a couple of things going here, is the, the powers that be in WWE are, are kind of, they see John Cena out there right now. John Cena is, you know, making a name for himself outside of WWE, and it's kind of getting phased out of WWE. Uh, you had The Rock, who is in WWE, found some traction in Hollywood. He's gone, and I think they don't want to create more folks that big that, you know, end up, like, kind of using WWE and cutting bait. I think also at this point, W, uh, uh, World Wrestling Entertainment, they see themselves as, like, the brand is so strong that they don't need somebody, like a rock or a stone cold or a hulk hogan to kind of carry them the brand is so strong that the name sells it i mean just look at wrestlemania we don't know what the matches are going to be like officially nothing has been announced but they'll sell out wrestlemania without anybody even knowing what's going to happen because they have Elevated that brand so much that people know that it'll be a good time and it'll be, you know, a
1: spectacular. I'm going to have to disagree with I. I disagree with what Triple H said, where they're not looking for the next guy um, to be up in line uh, with, you know, because with John Cena getting up, this first of all, John Cena's getting up there in age. He's 40. He's not going to be able to do this forever and he's, he's finding things of... Well, and that's that of, Triple H has actually yeah. said this. And it, I mean, it's just it, Ryback's right, right back Yeah, it's basically hearsay from Ryback. It could be just him just trying to get people to listen to his podcast, and I get that. I mean, I'm obviously going to say some things to get people to listen to our podcast, too, so, I mean, I can't even argue the guy for even doing this. But if it is the case where Triple H actually said this, where they're not looking for that next star, I think that's bullshit. Because no matter what... Because you think about it like this. Well, look at what they've done with Roman Reigns. Yeah, and it's not just with professional wrestling. Because with professional wrestling, yeah. Before it was Cena, it was, I guess you could say The Rock.
0: It was The Rock and Stone Cold. It was The Rock and Stone
1: Cold. Before The Rock and Stone Cold, it was Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels. Before it was Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels, it was Hulk Hogan. Before it was Hulk Hogan, it was, what, uh, Bob Backlund?
0: It it was Bob Backlund and Bruno Bruno San
1: Martino. And Billy Graham, you always got to have that marquee guy because you always need a superstar. And the um, same thing goes with any sport, though. If you think about it, what, what's you know who's the big star in the NBA? It's LeBron James. That's what everybody. You always need that big star. And with um, you know the same thing, like before LeBron James, it was Michael Jordan. You know before Michael Jordan, it was Larry Bird and Magic Johnson. Before it was those guys. It was you know Bill Russell. You know you always got to have that key guy. Curry, I, I apologize. Yeah, Steph Curry is also one of the big stars. You could also. But, throw... I mean, you, you need a couple of marquee names. Yeah, because uh-huh. you're not going to just go out there with, like, mediocre guys and... Battery died on this thing. Oh, we'll, we'll, we'll just okay. keep going with okay. this. I don't, want, I don't like carrying
0: the microphone anyway. But, so, I mean, you have a lot of the... Everybody needs, like, a marquee thing. I mean, look at the NFL for the last decade and a half. Do until... I say it? Do I say it? Uh, until Peyton Manning retired, the marquee match was always Manning against Brady. It didn't matter if he was on the Broncos or on the Colts. Colts yeah. That was always the
1: matchup, and
0: uh, you know, NFL did very well for themselves. You, you know, know and for then, all that time. And then
1: before it was Brady and Manning, it was Joe Montana, yeah. and they had John Elway, and they had Dan Marino. Uh, yeah. So I, I I will never acknowledge Kobe Bryant as a superstar. <laughs> I am sorry. I, a guy who his career high in assists for a season is 73, is not somebody I would consider as a superstar. I, I apologize. I will never <laughs> say Kobe Bryant is a star. Nah, nah. I'll give you Shaq. Shaq wasn't at the level of Michael Jordan or LeBron James. I, I also have personal animosity towards Shaquille O'Neal. And Shaquille O'Neal's actually, and that was another point, Shaquille O'Neal is going to be at WrestleMania this year as he fights the Big Show.
0: And I think he's going to get a Hall of Fame induction And he's going to get a Hall
1: of Fame induction this year, too. It's in Orlando,
0: so I mean, it kind of makes sense that they're going to,
1: yeah, you put know, him in the hall of fame. Put him yeah. in the
0: hall of fame in Orlando and have him have a match against Big Show. And by the way, Big Show looks absolutely ripped up. Oh yeah, three
1: hundred under four hundred pounds.
0: Well, did you see the photo? Oh, yeah. I think it was on Instagram. Like, it's he, not just arms how is, much
1: he weighs. Was, yeah.
0: like his arms are a cup, he's in the best
1: shape of his life. So, I mean, it's the
0: Big Show? And uh, you know, I, I'm guessing that this is him kind of gearing up for like his final like.
1: It's big run.
0: final countdown. So, Sorry. Well, somebody did ask for us to sing, so there um, you go. Uh, I,
1: I, you know what? We actually did forget some, about something that was wrestling, it had something to do with wrestling that happened this year. Um,
0: It's not officially confirmed, but it's more or less uh, in, in the cards. Uh, somebody asked, like, uh, if the Big Show Shack match is officially confirmed. I mean, Big Show in his... Uh, post more or less said Shaq are you ready for Wrestlemania so I think it's more or less written in stone it's just not officially
1: been announced right and I think it's like the person who's going to etch it in stone is like all right this is what's going to happen we're setting up for it they they planted the seeds last year at Wrestlemania 32 when they had Shaq being in the Andre the Giant Memorial Battle Royal
0: so oh, uh, okay.
1: Shaq and Big Show confirmed it on TMZ and NBA and TNT. Beautiful. All right, thank you, S.I. Strangler. Um, Appreciate I did that. Not know that I, I'm uh, wondering
0: if uh, this mean. I wonder if they're going to set up a storyline, though, where Shaq is in the Royal Rumble this year and he and Big Show have uh, uh, some sort of spot where they... A tilt?
1: Is, is who knows? Um, somebody did bring up earlier that I forgot that uh, something that was wrestling-related that happened in 2016... And that was CM Punk made his UFC debut this year. He did? I, I completely forgot. How did I forget about CM Punk? Well, I mean, he, he's been out
0: of wrestling for a while, and his uh, match in UFC was uh, less than two minutes.
1: Oh, no. No, like, no it was like, like two minutes and 15 seconds. Because
0: It was uh, terrible. This, P- this well, past week on, on Raw, Raw,
1: Stephanie McMahon uh, brought up, because the fans in Chicago were chanting CM Punk within the first five minutes, and she goes, if you guys keep this up for another two minutes and 15 seconds, you'll last longer than CM Punk in his UFC debut, which would have been my markout moment of the week. But since part of our show today, we're going to do the end of the year awards, I'm not even going to do a markout moment of the week because I'm going to give you my markout moment of the year, right? So, um, but yeah, I mean, that was another big thing that happened of somebody related to professional wrestling who um, went on to do other things that happened in 2016. So thank you again, S.I. Strangler, for that one as well. Uh, I completely forgot, and I, I feel like a piece of shit for that.
0: Well, and kind of looping back around to the uh, Ryback, Triple H thing, uh, we actually had uh, S.I. Strangler ask us specifically if we think Vince would support that. It's I think if Triple H actually says this, this is coming from Vince.
1: If, I don't, I don't it, think so.
0: It, but personally, I find it hard to believe that they actually told this to Ryback. I don't know if it, if it was told to Ryback. Maybe it was to get him to shut up, because look at what they've done with uh, Roman Reigns. They're trying to turn him into the new John Cena. And, hey, whether you like it or not, that's what they're trying to do. So if they didn't want a marquee name, I'm going to smack your eyes straight. Going to smack your eyes straight. Whether you like it or not, though, they tried to push that guy to the moon. This year, obviously it still hasn't worked. The only way I think this is going to end up working out where Roman Reigns becomes what they want him to be is he needs to go heel and he needs to, you Shut know, his be, him out. he needs to be a strong heel where eventually people will want to see him turn back almost, I'm not going to say the same, but similar to these guys, the new day. They wanted to make them the big hot baby faces. By the way. And they sucked when they first started. And, you know, the crowd was booing them right away. And what did these guys do? They turned it around by turning them heel and making them be dicks to everybody. And it was just, it was perfect for them. And by the time, like, They were being dicks to everybody and everybody started getting entertained by the different shit that they were doing. Then all of a sudden, New Day became a cool thing and basically without changing much of what they were doing, became faces again. So I think they need to not do the same exact thing, but go a similar path with Roman Reigns where he needs to, you know, go full on heel and stop giving him a damn script. And, you know, the Roman Reigns that we see on Twitter, where he kind of, like, bitches out fans, this, that, and the other thing. Far more entertaining than the Roman Reigns that we see on the mic every freaking Monday night. If they let him loose and let him do that, I think he'd be fine. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and, but then he has to do that for a little while. It can't be, like, you know, a token two-month heel run. He's got to be a heel for a, a couple year, of years. Maybe
1: a year and a half, two years, something like and, that, yeah. And
0: then then you could make him be the triumphant baby face,
1: maybe. Um, By the way, since you did bring it up, um, I really love that shirt you got there. I love the shirt. And I think this is a perfect segue, because I forgot to do it at the beginning of the podcast, to bring you guys our sponsor for the final episode of the FN Marks podcast of 2016. It is none other than booty Making sure you ain't booty. What a hell of a plug that was. Do you, you want to eat some of these? Not not particularly right now. Okay. Um, oh. I, I just, I, you know, I, I was actually at FYE, and I completely forgot that FYE even sold those. Making sure you ain't booty. And I, sorry, I was reading the question. Right. Um, and I completely forgot that they were there, and I was looking around, because I was looking for, and I actually found what I was looking for, my Andre the Giant, what is this, a Pop, Funko, whatever they are. Yeah. I I have a slight obsession with Andre the Giant. I'm not going to get into it, but I do have a slight obsession. This is my third Andre the Giant paraphernalia piece that I own. I was looking for this, came across that, and I had to buy it. Because you know why? Do you know why I had to buy it? Why'd you have to buy it? Because I'm a fucking mark. That's why. Now
0: you, you, you specifically use the term paraphernalia. What if they came up with like an Andre the Giant
1: bong? Would, you, you,
0: would you Would you get
1: you that? To, what are you trying to insinuate? Uh, I'm maybe cause... Maybe Maybe a young Bobby the Brainless would have gotten an Andre the Giant bong, but older Bobby the Brainless would not get an Andre the Giant bong. Okay, I would love to find an Andre the Giant action figure, like the like the ones that they have, like the the classics. Love to find that one um andre the giant sure absolutely Andre's just that andre's my boy and it's it's funny because i have this slight obsession with andre and yet he's not even in my top like he's not even in my Rushmore, but i have this obsession with andre the giant because he's just andre yeah he's the he's the eighth wonder of the world he is so uh yeah so nice plug there with the booty make sure you ain't booty all right and uh what was that
0: question about uh Reigns and and Rollins, What they they were asking... I think if
1: Rollins would overtake Reigns, kind of like how The Rock did with Austin, when they did the same thing with Austin. I could see that. I, I always thought that... I can't really say that. When they first brought in The Shield, I was a huge Dean Ambrose fan. I'm still a huge Dean Ambrose fan. I thought that Dean Ambrose was the best character of the three. Roman Reigns had the look, and my problem with Seth Rollins when he first came up was he had the you know the black hair with the the like the the Pepe Le Pew, Pepe Le Pew look. look, and he kind of looked like if CM Punk and Jeff Hardy had a kid, it would look like Seth Rollins. <laughs> so I just considered him like the Walmart brand CM Punk. So I never gave him a chance. Watching Seth Rollins over the years as he's evolved into the character he has evolved, he is a much better wrestler than than Roman Reigns. He's better than Dean Ambrose, too, in the yeah. ring. Uh, Microphone-wise, like, Mike Skills, he's definitely much better than he's Roman Reigns. He's much improved, too. And he's much he improved. Started. Him and Dean Ambrose kind of are, like, on the same level when it comes to Mike Skills. I would give a very, very slight edge to Dean Ambrose just because he's just, he's a lunatic. And well, he, he lives, that, he, he, he does the gimmick where he's the lunatic better than almost any other character that's in the WWE. It's not a it's not a shot at Seth Rollins. I like Seth Rollins. He's definitely somebody who's evolved his character. He's gotten so much better since he got the call up from NXT. I I think that Seth Rollins could be the guy that could be the face of the WWE for the foreseeable future rather than it being Roman Reigns because Seth Rollins is just a much more talented person. With with the
0: Raw roster i have a hard time figuring out who is going to be like you know the people the fans really really latch on to right now they really really latch on to their hatred of roman reigns so if you want to build up somebody as like a a big baby face just put them in the ring with reigns and they're going to get over as a face i mean you get kevin owens who's out there every week doing his best to kind of spit and kick and do everything to be a villain it still gets cheered over Roman Reigns because he's going against Roman Reigns it's just like anybody you know back a few years ago anybody you put in the ring against John Cena
1: yeah, inevitably would get cheered but you know CM Punk was a heel when he did that pipe bomb storyline that he had granted it was in Chicago so it was a little bit different but right after he did the pipe bomb he made that that faced her because he fought John Cena. Because nobody liked John Cena, because John Cena was shoved down everybody's throats, and nobody liked him because, A, he can't wrestle. Granted, I will say this between Roman Reigns and John Cena, because a lot of people are comparing Reigns to Cena, because of the fact that Reigns is pretty much the heir apparent to what John Cena was. I know I've been criticizing John Cena for a very, very long time. And it's because of the fact that he's not... Yes, the five bomb did happen in Las Vegas. I it was in Chicago a couple of months ago, or it was the Money in the Bank that happened. The in Money Chicago. in the Bank was in Chicago, where he was actually cheered, even though he was the heel. Technically, heading into that storyline, I apologize for that. Um, but as I was, I was, I was saying with the John Cena Roman Reigns thing, where they're comparing him. I know I've, I've been, you know, I've been crushing John Cena for years because he's got the five moves to do. And you can pretty much just say you know when he hits he him and you're like one two you know and then he does the you know the five knuckle shuffle and that's three and then the attitude adjustment is four and the and the uh, what's the uh, the STF is five and it's like people are just counting out their moves and it's like the shoulder block shoulder block and that's all he has. I will say this about John Cena, the man can talk on the mic. If you can't wrestle, you better be able to talk on the mic, i.e. Hulk Hogan, Hulk Hogan, i.e. John Cena. I mean, those are the two that really stick out, because Hulk Hogan couldn't wrestle. Hulk Hogan's greatest wrestling match was in Rocky III. (laughs) Tell me I'm I'm wrong. Hulk Hogan's best match was not in Rocky III. It was not. It was against the Great Muta. I'll throw my hat at you. It was against Rocky Balboa in Rocky III, as (laughs) Thunderlips. That was the only time in my life I've actually seen Hulk Hogan hit somebody with a suplex. He would bust it out
0: on rare occasions.
1: But usually, it, what, he did like
0: a back suplex in that, where usually Hogan ended up, uh, 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 what you call it? Uh, he did like the regular suplex uh, occasionally in uh, in matches. Uh, so somebody brought up the ultimate warrior as somebody who couldn't really wrestle and couldn't really talk. For me, <laughs> I keep <even> do it doing <laughs> oh, Sorry. Growing up, During that time, the Ultimate Warrior, if I look back at him now, I'm like, oh yeah, his promos were crap. But as a child back then, I was absolutely mesmerized by the dude. It didn't matter if what he said made sense. It was just like, that is so out there this dude is like crazy, and yeah. I think that was the thing. I
1: think the other thing with the Ultimate Warrior, is, I mean, I wasn't a Ultimate Warrior fan, because obviously back in the late I 80s, the the early 90s, early to mid-90s, you were either a Hogan fan or you were a Warrior fan. I grew up as a Hulkamaniac. I, 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 will, I will say it, and I am never afraid to admit that I was a Hulkamaniac growing up. Um, with the Ultimate Warrior, the thing that separated him from everybody else was he had that very unique look.
0: Well, he had had the the entrance. And he had
1: the entrance. It was, it's all about presentation, Jay. If you can't wrestle, and if you can't talk on the mic, it's all about presentation. And you know what? The Warrior had very good presentation. Because he had the long hair, he had that frickin' face paint on his face, he had the tassels on his frickin', on his arms and on his boots, and you know, and then he would just like beeline it to the ring, because I'm convinced he did like three lines of coke before he went out to the ring. And then, you know, he would shake the ropes and everything. Yeah, that's what it was all about. It's all about presentation, especially in professional wrestling.
0: And he did have, you know, when the, the spotlight was shining on him, he did have some good matches. I mean, not that it's, you know, a wrestling classic, but, like, his match against Togan at WrestleMania six. you know, that was a very solid match.
1: His match against
0: uh, Macho Man, Man, Man at WrestleMania
1: seven. 7 that, that was match. the match of the night. Yeah, That absolutely. That was... I mean how many how many elbow drops did the macho man? Was it was like five or six I, fought, I, the um yeah, that was a great match. The fact that macho man hit him with five elbow drops, and he still kicked out, and you know his finishing move wasn't that bad. The gorilla press, and he would just yeah. slam him and would run off the ropes and splash on top of him yeah i I might not have been a warrior fan, but I know the ultimate warrior uh I just think that.
0: I mean, he had a I good mean, match against Rick Rude uh, at SummerSlam. They had the cage match for the
1: title. One of my all-time favorite Warrior matches was he fought uh, the Honky Tonk Man for the, the title. <laughs> this dude loves squash <laughs> matches. In uh, that, how could you say that? How could you say that?
0: Well, let's see. You I mean, there was love just
1: that match. I mean, it was King Kong Bundy <laughs> at WrestleMania <laughs> one against Special Delivery Jones. It was <laughs> Kane beating Chaco Guerrero and <laughs> <in, laughs> like nine Chaco, seconds Chaco, Guerrero for the ECW title, I think it was WrestleMania 26 or 27. Does it really matter? It was the ECW title. Um, then one of my all-time favorite matches was, and I know a lot of people said it was one of the worst matches, and and that year or in WrestleMania history was when Sheamus beat Daniel Bryan in 18 seconds for the World Heavyweight title.
0: But yeah, he loved I it.
1: love squash matches. That's why I was. I'm a huge fan of Braun Strowman. Before Braun Strowman became this guy where he's got the storyline. That's why I love Ryback when he was there. When I was growing up in wrestling, every week on Saturday, you would get that show, you know, Saturday morning, what, main event, I think it was called.
0: Uh, well, there were Superstars and there was Wrestling Challenge.
1: Wrestling, one of those. And every single week, you know, you would get like an earthquake going up against like Ludwig Borga or you would get like the Mountie going up against uh, Tito Santana. You would get some decent matches. But every once in a while, they would throw there would you be like, one man game it would against Barry Horowitz. Against Barry Horowitz, or he would go up against, there was some, you know, uh, the, the Red Rooster would go up against uh, Damian Demento, or you would have the model Rick Martel versus Tony DeVito, or the Brooklyn Brawler, or you know, uh, you know, this, Hogan
0: versus Iron Mike Sharp. Yeah,
1: you know, you just had these random people that came out there, and that's what I grew up on, and I love that shit because you got those two minute squash matches. I, I just love squash matches. That's all. That's why I was a huge fan of Ryback when they first brought him in, because they were great. You know, he would take out all these local competitors. It would be one guy, it would be two guys. One week he fought three guys, and then he would go up into, like, the lower card guys. In fact, when they had Monday Night Raw at the XL Center in Hartford, I actually tweeted at the WWE and said, hey, if you're looking for somebody to fight Ryback, I'll, I'll take a, you know, a shell shock for one night. You don't even have to pay me. Just give me my 15 seconds of fame. I, I would have done it better than James Ellsworth. I didn't even have to cut a promo and I would have been better than James Ellsworth. I'd be like, I'm just here to get my ass kicked. And I would have been it. I just love squash matches.
0: So, yeah. Uh, I mean, honestly, if you go back to that 88 SummerSlam, when the Ultimate Warrior, who was like an unannounced opponent, I mean, I think everybody That's kind like, of knew ahead. that it was going to be the Warrior, but the second that his music hit... I mean, the place it was is tough to like explain to you what that pop was like. I mean, you couldn't hear a damn thing when when, when Gorilla Monsoon saying like a uh, pandemonium. I mean, like Berserk. the yeah. place went absolutely bonkers. And when the match ended in twenty minutes, like the pop seconds. just right, right. Twenty seconds, like the pop. In that arena, like, which started with the Warrior just coming to the ring. Oh,
1: yeah. I mean, it just, like, grew and grew and grew. It was awesome. Another one that I wanted to bring up with the Ultimate Warrior for squash matches was, uh, I believe it was WrestleMania 12. Well, Thank you. You actually knew where I was going with this. When Triple H, Hunter Hurst, no, Hunter hurst Helmsley made his WrestleMania debut, I shit you not, his his entrance... Lasted like five times longer than the match did because he has this long ass entrance and he freaking took his sweet ass time getting in the ring and taking his you know his ring you know his entrance attire off and everything and then the warriors music hit and then he basically just got squashed in like 15 seconds and you gotta love the fact that
0: warrior no sold the pedigree yeah he just got up and
1: yeah kind of like but... John Cena always no sells everything
0: right. Just ask the Nexus. Right, Wade Barrett. Right. All right. So I don't know. Do you do you want to get into our a little bit of our uh, like stuff throughout the year? Talk well, let's about. Uh,
1: let's let's uh, let's go through the recap. Um. You know, it... should we should we recap what happened with the WWE, or should we recap some of the things that occurred for our podcast? Like we can bring. Well, up... I mean, our
0: podcast hasn't been going on the whole year. Let's.
1: Wait, wait, but I, I did. There was something that I wanted to bring up about our podcast that happened this year. And that was the momentous occasion where we got to our 100th download, and yours truly ate an entire pint of sour cream. Yeah. I thought that was a very momentous occasion. I think that would be the biggest moment that actually happened in our podcast, was me eating the sour cream for the entire podcast.
0: There was that, the time you had the shotgun the beer.
1: And that was the time I had the shotgun the beer. Uh, there, there was, was that a time, time that both of us did a
0: shot, I forgot what the shot was.
1: There was a time that you and I usually were Usually this to...
0: involves drinking, I mean, most of our podcasts, was... and, and usually we, we have our Colt 45s, but, uh, because we're going out for New Year's Eve, no, no Colt 45 today.
1: And there was, speaking of the Colt 45s, there was the one time we did the podcast where we didn't have any Colt 45s, so we brought the fireball into the equation, <laughs> and that yeah. was a very fun podcast, I don't remember, probably about two-thirds of it, um... There was also the the time that we made the bet over the Miz and Bolve Ziggler in the Intercontinental Title match where you're truly lost again. For some strange reason Bobby the Brainless loses a lot of bets. Just ask this guy. Just True. ask my father. Ask the guys I work with, my friends up north. I'm just a loser.
0: Maybe I should be Bobby maybe I
1: should just be Bobby the Loser and not Bobby the Brainless. Well, what if like before? Let's combine them. Bobby the brainless loser. No not gonna happen. Okay. I'm still brainless. At All the right. end of the day, I wake up every single morning and I say, I am Bobby the brainless and I am proud of it. Boom. Realest guy in the room. No pun intended.
0: Uh so yeah, doing the podcast I mean this year, I mean we we started it from nothing and, you know I think uh I think it's been a, a good little ride. I I've enjoyed I it. Trying to kinda Get folks out there to actually tune into us, watch
1: us, listen to us, and follow us on Facebook, or no, follow us on Twitter, like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram. Right. We went, we went, we've come, a, we've come a long way though, Jay. I mean, we've, I mean, it's episode what twenty-two of this podcast. 22. Um, I mean, we had a couple of just you know the simulcasts where we just videotaped us when we did the uh, the NXT takeover. And the uh, Survivor Series, where we just came out here and just talked to the people out in Twitter and and Facebook world, instead of just putting it on Podbeam. And I've learned a lot about myself since we started doing this podcast. Oh, good. That's nice. I really do think that I'm not as big of a mark as I thought I was. Did
0: you find out that I'm a bigger mark than you are? Oh, you're definitely a bigger mark
1: than me. Good. You're wearing a bootio shirt, for Christ's sake. You've got a Macho Man shirt on, so. Dig it. Right. I should have brought the freaking Slim Jims, though. Um, I do. I would love to snap into a Slim Jim, but you know, I and, I and I think it all it all is because of the fact that I did not know that the tugboat was also the shock master. That was the disappointing moment of my life.
0: I mean, I, I, I,
1: the, the, I
0: mean, it's not to the same level as the Festus and Gallows thing.
1: But that's different. I'm not Vince McMahon.
0: I'm Even not the guy who's so. paying
1: the paychecks. I you know. Vince McMahon not knowing that Festus and Luke Gallows were the same person is a lot worse than me not knowing that Tugboat was the Shockmaster. Allegedly. Specifically because of the fact that I actually saw the Tugboat at Big Time Wrestling probably about three years ago when Rob Van Dam was the the, the main attraction of, where I thought that Hacksaw Jim Duggan was the janitor. <laughs> and, um, you know, if I had known... Now that if could I be had a good not, gimmick for him. I had known then that tugboat was the Shockmaster, I would have made more of an attempt to get my picture taken with the Shockmaster. But because I didn't, because I didn't even know that Hacksaw Jim Duggan was actually Hacksaw Jim Duggan, I actually have to, I wonder if I actually just should just revoke my mark card, because I'm just not as big of a mark as I claim to be.
0: No, you you just need to work harder at it. That's all. That's all. We'll
1: go with that. Hey, at least I knew that the big cat was Mr. Hughes. (laughs) Can I I get some credit for that at least?
0: If you can.
1: Can I get some credit for the fact that I know that King Kong Bundy allegedly won his match against Special Delivery Jones in nine seconds of WrestleMania 1 when in actuality the match lasted 22 seconds? Can I get a little bit of credit of that? Can I get some credit for the fact that Andre the Giant is the eighth wonder of the world? Can I get some credit that obviously the worst world champion in WWE history is the great Kali and the worst world champion in the history of professional sports is David Arquette. Can I get some credit for the fact that Vince Russo is the man who tried to single-handedly destroy not one, but two wrestling organizations? No? Okay, I tried. There is my rant for this, for this week. So, recap. Let's go into the recap. I need beer. I think that's what my problem is. I need beer. And I can't have beer for, like, another... Well, I mean,
0: we have to go places, so we need to be safe. We need to... Ah, You know know what? I got an idea. Go get a beer, and then you call an Uber.
1: Maybe somebody could drive you somewhere. I don't think my Uber's going to want to drive me to Hampton. They'll drive you anywhere. I don't want to pay an Uber driver to drive me to Hampton. I just had to to deal with my tire today anyway, so... Right. You know, I'm already on frickin' tilt with that. We're not going to get into that.
0: So, uh, you know, I'll... uh, As far as this year goes in wrestling, I mean, a ton of stuff happened. I mean, you know, starting with the Royal Rumble last year, you know, you had a bunch of people like AJ Styles and Chris Jericho, and, you know, know, Jericho obviously returning, and AJ Styles making his debut,
1: but Jericho came back before the Royal Rumble. I thought that was his first
0: day no, back. No, his first
1: day back was the New Day. I remember the New Day was doing a countdown in the ring, and it was 10, 9, 8, with their stupid little unicorn and the logos and everything. And it's, After it got to 6, and went to the Y2J countdown at 5 and 4, and then, you know, the fireworks went off. And, yeah, it, uh, Jericho actually came back in 2015. Right. Well, how the tables have
0: turned? Not that I forgot one thing instead of, like, a myriad of things. But I knew it! Yes,
1: yes, 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 Yes. you boring people. Coco B. Wears a Hall of Famer, by the way. He is. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Yeah, um, also this year there was a lot of other debuts that happened um, through the uh, NXT, the call-ups. Enzo Amore and Big Cass made their debuts on the Raw after WrestleMania. They got the call-up. And I love the fact that they now have this NXT and it's on the network. Because a lot of times, because typically what they do is they bring in the new guys around WrestleMania, you know, right after WrestleMania. The raw after WrestleMania, Uh, Brock Lesnar came back after a few year hiatus, three or four years ago. I think it was like four years ago when he came back. 2012. So four years ago, Brock Lesnar came back. Going on five years ago. It'll be going on five years ago, and he he returned at the Monday Night Raw after WrestleMania. You know, they bring in a lot of these newer guys around that time, too. They've got the calls. Apollo Crews also came up around the same time. Obviously, he hasn't had the same kind of effect as Enzo and Big Cass has, but still, nonetheless. Or Kevin Owens. Or Kevin Owens. Or Well, and hopefully soon returning star Finn Balor. And, you know, even even somebody like uh, Rusev, two-time United States champion and self-proclaimed greatest United States champion of all time. It's it's weird sometimes with these things, like... uh,
0: Rusev's original debut was actually at the Royal Rumble. Yep, I remember that. And I, I want to say that uh, uh, Bo Dallas, his original debut was Was also at the
1: Royal Rumble, too. But then he the went Rumble. back
0: down to... NXT for a while both before did. he came
1: back. Rusev was at the Royal Rumble, then he came back like a few months later. Bo Dallas was down there for a while before he came back again. Yeah, because he,
0: he like revamped yeah. his character, because right. they were trying to set up something between Bo Dallas and Wade, and, and Wade Barrett for the Intercontinental title, and they're like, all right, we're going to have this title match next week. Didn't happen. Oh, we're going to have the title match next week. Didn't and happen, and then it
1: just never happened. Never materialized. So... And, you know, typically that's what it is. Obviously with the Royal Rumble, you always get those surprise entrants. You get the returning Booker T, and they had Diesel, a.k.a. Kevin Nash, uh, came back at the 40-man over-the-top. 2011 in Boston. 2011 in Boston. Um, AJ Styles, obviously, this past uh, Royal Rumble. Uh, the year before, I believe, was Bubba Ray Dudley came out as a three spot.
0: Yep, and, and they I, had him in our truth basically doing all the Dudley Boy
1: spots. Yeah, and, you know, I... When Bubba Ray Dudley came out in that Royal Rumble, I fucking lost my goddamn mind.
0: Speaking of Bubba Ray, I am my hope for a surprise return is Bubba Ray, but he's not Bubba Ray, but he's going to be Bully Ray, Ray. and they let him go full heel, because full heel Bully Ray will be the best. He'll be the best villain in WWE if they let him loose.
1: Right, I agree.
0: Because Bully Ray in TNA was hilarious. Like, great character and just crapped on everybody, but did it in... Uh, it, TNA is not a, a PG product, but, like, you know, he wasn't telling somebody to go F themselves. Right. He You know, they yeah. can make it work in a PG world where he's a bully, and I know that WWE has the, like, be a star thing, but... That could be part of the storyline. Oh, it on,
1: have to be the star thing where they do the anti-bullying ads, and they got Baron Corbin picking fights with a guy who's literally half his size, and you got Ryback who's going backstage and beating up people that are in catering and but, dumping you, soup on their heads. And, but you put that like into that. the storyline, right? But I just, I mean, just, I mean, I could see Bully Ray doing it on a, on a, on a PG level. I mean, I could give you a, a great example of somebody doing something like that in a PG level, sir. I announce my intentions on interfering with your match and delivering a thrashing to you, good sir. That's how you do it on a PG level. You go Jack Gallagher. That's going Jack Gallagher on somebody's ass. That's not a bully. That's somebody just announcing
0: his intentions to destroy somebody, although that that was, like, one of my favorite things that I've seen. Oh, this was
1: was a great moment. It's a great segment.
0: Gallagher right now is... My guy, like he's true. He, he, like at this moment he can't do any wrong. I'd like to see how his character will evolve, but yeah. like right now this is just freaking hilarious because he's so different from anything else we've ever seen ever before. I mean, we've had you know like gentleman characters yeah. over the years, whether it's been like Chris Adams or uh, Stephen Regal, William Regal, I w- love William Regal, or, or, or uh Triple H all of them have always kind of been heels. Yeah. Where this time... It's
1: Jack Gallagher. It, her, the, ...the
0: extraordinary gentleman who's is, a face. And instead of, you know, you know, being a snob about things, he's just being proper. I wish I could do a good Alan Rickman so I could say proper, properly. I, I don't
1: think Alan Rickman... The only person who could do a proper Alan Rickman is Alan Rickman, personally.
0: Ben, uh, Benedict Cumberbatch, he does a pretty good cover
1: something like that. Right. All right, so um, since we're gonna be doing our um, awards for the year, the mark the markout awards for two thousand and sixteen, um, let's let's flip it a little bit to a little bit into the future since you brought up Jack Gallagher and everything. Is there a breakout star for you heading into two thousand and seventeen? Somebody you could see really you know, make a name for themselves that hasn't really established themselves yet. It could be somebody who's in the heavyweight division. It could be somebody who's returning. It could be somebody in the cruiserweight division, somebody in the women's division. Maybe somebody who's in NXT that can make the jump to the main roster. Is there a breakout star for you, Ja Rule, for
0: 2017? All right. As far as, there are a few things going here. I think the breakout star of 2017 is going to end up being... Probably Samoa Joe. You know, I think he's going to be on the main roster sooner rather than later. He's getting up there in age, so, you know, they kind of have to move fast with him. But, honestly, he's been around the world. He knows how to get over. He's, you know, his character is such a badass and will be a great heel when he gets to the main roster. And I think he's going to have a spectacular 2017 But, you know, there's, uh, you know, another guy who is underutilized for a while and really lately has looked freaking awesome is Neville. They finally did a heel turn with him and they were underutilizing him and misusing him. You know, they had him fighting heavyweights, this, that, and the other thing. And, you know, you have a freaking cruiserweight division and you have a cruiserweight classic, but you don't involve. Your guy who is a legit cruiserweight and is one of the best in the world at it, but you know his character as a face was so bland and boring. Like, I understand, like, hey, the man, the gravity, forgot that. That's fantastic. He does a lot of moves nobody else can do and nobody else has seen. So, yeah, that's great and everything. But outside of that, what was his character? A cubularo. Now he is a mad elf. and Ernie is pissed. But the thing is, I, I dig so far what they've been doing with his character. Now, I don't dig the fact that this week they had him beat Rich Schwann in a non-title match. They should have built up something and had it be a title match. And, you know, they're straining the credibility of this, you know, cruiserweight championship every time that... You know, you either flip-flop the title every couple of weeks or if you have your champion losing non-title matches, which they've, I think they've done that like three or four times already and Cruiserweight title is only a few months old. Freaking bullcrap. But I like what they're doing with Neville, um, but I think Samoa Joe is going to be the the, the breakout star, you know, for 2017. I think a guy like Nakamura could have a good 2017 um, and his call up to the main roster I think will be coming at some point. I don't know if he and Joe are going to come up at the same time. I don't know if they're going to be on the same brand. I don't know. Uh, One guy that I'm kind of uh, almost taking this not in the different direction, but uh, I wonder what's going to happen with Finn Balor. Uh, You know, he had that nasty shoulder injury. Is Vince, Seth Rollins. Vince McMahon going to see him as a guy who's brittle just because like
1: Seth you know, Rollins hurt him.
0: Seth Rollins hurt him and does that mean Vince is going to lose faith in him? I hope not. I mean, I am so I WrestleMania with the demon entrance.
1: Oh, it's gonna be off the hook.
0: It's it's gonna be incredible. And I hope that they don't do anything to ruin that. Um, and another guy, I don't know how high he's going to get this year, but I, I Bobby Root, I think, is going to be our next NXT champion. And I would love to see him up at the main roster at some point, but, you know, I think this year he'll probably spend most of the year at least in NXT. And maybe, m- maybe he'll do a spot here or there where he shows up. Like the Andrew the John Memorial Battle Royal. Something
1: like that. Sorry. Um, But, yeah, overall, Samoa Joe would be the guy. I like all those choices. I really do. Um, You definitely went with a few more superstars than I thought. Maybe, you know, one, maybe two, I could, you know, from you. Uh, Personally, for me, there's two guys that really stick out for me as my opinions of who will be the breakout stars of uh, 2017. Um, One guy, for me, I've been actually a fan of his since he broke up from the faction he was with, and that's Braun Strowman. I think that Braun Strowman is going to be a guy that's going to have a monster, no pun intended, a monster 2017. He's my pick to win the Royal Rumble as of right now. I think he's going to end up winning the Royal Rumble. If he wins the Royal Rumble, I could see him fighting somebody like Roman Reigns at WrestleMania for the title. I think, Roman, I think that Braun Strowman is going to have a monster year this year. He's the guy that's definitely going to step up. He needs to maybe develop a little bit better with his character, but the fact that he's just this giant enforcer that just goes out there and beats the holy hell out of people, and how Mick Foley says he's not a wrestler, he doesn't care about anything, he's just a monster, and just wants to hurt people. I, that's why I'm going to go with Braun Strowman as my superstar, or my breakout superstar for 2017. And another guy that I'm a huge fan of that is going to also be a breakout star for 2017 for Bobby the Brainless is Cedric Alexander. That kid is just... I mean, you look up the definition of talented in the dictionary, there's a picture of that kid in there. I think that the sky is the limit with him. He's one of those guys... He lost 20 pounds to get into the Cruiserweight Classic. Yeah. That speaks volumes for him. So easily, he could put that weight back on if he didn't want to be in the Cruiserweight division anymore. He's talented enough to carry him his own against some of the other guys, like a, like going up against like a Kevin Owens or a Sami Zayn or a Seth Rollins. And I could see in... I don't know maybe I don't know about this year it wouldn't surprise me if it did happen this year but I could see Cedric Alexander eventually winning the universal championship.
0: The thing with Alexander, I mean even in that NXT uh house show that we went to, he doesn't need to say anything but he just has this like charisma about him. Yeah. Where like he walks into the room and there's something different with it. Um again he he there hasn't been like a ton of character development, and I'd like to see where his character goes, but I mean both of those are they're
1: fantastic Thank you so all right so let's get into the uh the awards for uh, the the Mar- the f and marks award show of two thousand and sixteen Sure. uh where do you want to kick off with um well Let's see. Clearly, uh, clearly, you're the brains of the outfit because I'm the brainless one. So,
0: well, I, I think we'll end. The end will be Superstar of the Year. I, think. I like
1: that. Okay. Let's All right. Uh, how about Match of the Year? What, what what do you have going for Match of the Year? I, for me, Match of the Year. The one match for 2016 that stuck out the most was Team DIY versus the Revival at NXT Takeover in Toronto. The two out of three falls match for the NXT Tag Team Championships. For yeah. me, it uh, really stuck out, and it was a hard choice for me to make for that one. Believe me, there was a lot of great matches. Obviously, you yeah. can relate to that as well. Um, the Intercontinental uh, Fatal 4-Way match where the Miz defended the title against, I believe, Dolph Ziggler and uh, Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens. No, not Kevin Owens. I mean, uh, yeah, it
0: was Zayn,
1: Zayn Owens, and Cesaro, uh, and Cesaro. was fantastic. I loved that match. Um, That was another one of my favorites from this year. Um, Another match that really stuck out was also with The Miz, but it was when The Miz and Dolph Ziggler fought for the Intercontinental Championship, the one where Dolph Ziggler actually won the title. That one was another one that was up for consideration. But honest to goodness, you put a gun to my head. and Not to discount Samoa Joe and Shinsuke Nakamura, or, there, or, I mean, or even, a ton
0: of Zayn matches yeah, this year. Zayn and Nakamura, Nakamura. was definitely uh, something
1: that stuck out for me, too.
0: Sami Zayn against Kevin Owens at Battleground. The <laughs> one where they got a standing ovation in the middle of the match. Yeah. I mean, there were a ton of, like...
1: A lot of great matches, matches. But for me, the match that stuck out the most was the Revival versus Team DIY at NXT TakeOver in Toronto. Well, you know, and
0: for me, like, when I was trying to figure this out... Obviously, the match, the mechanics of what they're doing means something. But there also has to be a storyline there. And, like, that match with the Revival and DIY, they built the storyline, you know, over, like, DIY just not being able to get over the hump. They lost to the Revival to, like, I think it was a knee bar and the takeover before, yep. and they built that into the storyline of their two out of three falls match, and because you thought that, like, oh, he's going to tap again. Yep. Johnny Wrestling's going to tap again, And but they built that into your brain, and they, you know, really paid it off at the end. That was one I was thinking about putting in there, you know, but I didn't go with that.
1: But so. it was an excellent match. Oh. Uh, A lot of great matches this year.
0: And Honestly, like there were, there are were probably like ten of them that I, I could have been like, you know, that one. Yeah. Like you know, for me the the one kind of critique I would have of like Zayn and Nakamura, there wasn't really a storyline. It was just a hell of a match. Oh yeah. And th- but like the Zane Kevin Owens match. That had a hell of a story. I mean, literally, you could say that that story's been going on for over a decade because... They're best friends. They're Mm -hmm. best friends, and they built the storyline around the fact that they were best friends, and then once they both got into NXT, Kevin Owens turned on him immediately because he wanted to, you know, do what was best for his family, and him and Zayn had this blood feud. I mean, one of my favorite things to watch was you know both of them grabbing each other by the back of the head and just yeah like 5000 miles an hour i don't know how the heck you, you know you look at a guy like Kevin Owens and he obviously he doesn't look like he's in shape but obviously he is because you know he's going out there having 30 minute matches and what have you. So I think he only does cardio. I don't know if he goes to the weight room or if he just works
1: on his legs and covers up his legs so you can't tell that yeah. his legs are all jacked up. He gives people like me, because I'm kind of built like Kevin Owens, like false hope. Right. I mean, I, can't, I don't think I could go out there and have a 30-minute match. I don't even think I could last 30 seconds in the ring with Braun Strowman, but that's neither here nor there.
0: But my match of the year, and you mentioned it, Dolphin Miz. The thing with this is, you, you know, with, more, with the storyline. It was the storyline that they built up with this. Dolph kept on losing, kept on losing, so much though, so that he's like, you know what, if I can't win, I'm putting my career on the line. And we've seen these storylines so often in WWE, and the payoff always is the guy leaves town. Yep. Whether it was Shawn Michaels against The Undertaker at WrestleMania 26. Whether it was uh, the Macho Man, Man Randy Savage against yeah. the Ultimate War at WrestleMania 7. And, like... They did such a good job making you think, like, this is the end for Dolph. And near falls, this, that, and the other thing that happened in that match, the storytelling they did in the match. And, like, you know, you got a guy like Miz who really, like, to me, was, like, the comeback star of the year. Like, the brand split benefited him so much, and he's he elevated his game, and he elevated the Intercontinental title to a level. And, you know, he's been such a good heel and was such a dick to Dolph Ziggler. Having his wife with him has really added to Mrs. package as uh, part of his presentation. Yep.
1: Of, you know, nice reference, by the way.
0: But, oh, yeah. you know, kind of added to what he does where sometimes he uses her as a way to win. Not all the time, because he did beat Dolph cleanly a couple of times, but in this match, you know, they took all of that stuff that they had kind of cooked into this thing and took us on a hell of a ride, and it was a phenomenal match where the crowd just absolutely was eating everything up. Every near fall, and in the end, you know, you had the big payoff with Dolph winning. Now the crap that happened after that, where I mean, he lost the title like a uh, month later. meh. But again, Miz is on such a roll. I I I understand why they put the title back on him and what have you. But like, the only downfall to that match was that they didn't put it on last.
1: Yeah, oh, in I agree. that Pay per view. I agree, and obviously they, they were going up against the presidential debates. I think that was the last night. Yeah, it of the, was the debate. presidential debate, so they didn't want to play that.
0: That was the one where the uh, triple threat main event went on first.
1: Yes, I remember that. So uh, the,
0: I, they should have put that match on last. Instead they had the, the Wyatt against uh, Orton match.
1: Right. Which isn't the worst thing in the world, considering Bray Wyatt deserves more of an opportunity. Yeah. Um,
0: and just a, a small aside, Wyatt Family losing the tag team titles to the American
1: Alpha this Isn't, week. How about that for a 2016? American Alpha win, or, you know, was the NXT tag team champions at the beginning of 2016, and they close out 2016 with the SmackDown tag team championships. I think they had a great 2016. They could be one of the breakout uh, could performers definitely. of 2017. And I can even throw in the Miz yeah. as a breakout performer of 2017 because I think that. The intercontinental title is not where he's going to be kind of capping off his career at this point. I can see another world title reign in his future. Because if anybody in the company right now who's been busting their ass to evolve... Taking it to the next level. He definitely
0: deserves it. He, I Between least, the stuff on Talking Snack, yep. the thing with Renee Young a couple of weeks ago, they've been kind of incorporating so much of like real life stuff into the stories. I still don't know whether or not she knew, and if she didn't, like, I- I'm sure if she didn't know, yeah. like, they probably talked to each other after, hey, I'm just trying to get heat, and blah, 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 but, like, it- it's been fantastic. I agree.
1: Uh, can I say that for a second? I wanted, I wanted to pick another, I want to pick the next award for 2016. Uh, uh, all right, well, don't look at my picks. I'm not going to look at your picks. All right, um... All right, so our next uh, category for uh, 2016 is the uh, Hey, You, Keep Your Hands Off My Cupcake Award. And the nominees for this award are Ryback, uh, Kevin Owens, Bastion Booger, and Bobby the Brainless. And, Jay, by unanimous decision, the winner of the Hey, You, Keep Your Hands Off My Cupcake Award goes to...
0: Kevin Owens,
1: Captain Cupcake himself. Unfortunately, Kevin Owens isn't here to accept his award, so and we I, can't tweet to him his award. I can't even tweet to him that he actually won his award. So I wanted to take this opportunity to accept the award on behalf of Kevin Owens. I wish um, I had an actual physical cupcake
0: to or, give or you.
1: like a cupcake trophy and stuff. And I, I just would like to say uh, this is a tremendous award for Kevin Owens. I think that this award for him. Is the biggest award that he has won or his biggest accomplishment for 2016. Um, I like, I think he would like to thank, uh, his wife and his kids for winning the, this award. And most importantly, and I cannot stress this enough, the person that Kevin Owens would like to thank the most for this award is me. Right. That's why he, and I would, I appreciate you um, naming me in your acceptance speech, Kevin Owens, for winning the hey you keep your hands off my cupcake award. So uh, well deserved, Kevin. Congratulations. Um, if you get a chance, you know, tweet at either our account at the f underscore n marks, or you could just tweet at me personally at rap and Robbo. Oh wait, that's right. You can't do that either because I blocked you, fucker. But yeah, I wanted. To, I, I just I thought that that was a great award that we could have, you know, capped off 2016. Oh, um, I, I do feel bad for Bastion Booger. I felt like he deserved that award as well.
0: Yeah, he, um, he little little little, uh, little too late for Bastion Booger. Though. Unfortunately. Um, so I don't know. Uh, you want to go into like best storyline, worst storyline of the year? Best
1: best storyline of the year. Can we count the the brand split as a storyline? Why not? No. I got a better storyline than that. I'm going to go with Shane McMahon getting named the commissioner of SmackDown. Shane McMahon returned to the WWE. In fact, just Shane McMahon in general. Shane McMahon came back to the WWE before WrestleMania, told his dad that he was back. He wanted to take over and get the keys to the kingdom from his father and everything. Stephanie was pissed off about it. And Vince said, you know what? You want... The you want to be in charge. You got to win one match. You go into WrestleMania. All you have to do is beat the Undertaker. Fought him in a Hell in a Cell. Put a A plus match. Another match that I'm sorry that we didn't even consider. I I should have even considered for the match of the year because that was that was a hell of a match. You know the thing with uh, that match for
0: me was, like, I think that match overperformed expectations. Like when I look. I've watched the match a couple of times yeah. back, and it's like, it's good. It just wasn't to the level of the other guys. I mean, they had a, they did a pretty decent story with it, and, but, you know, Shane falling off the cage. Everybody's going to remember Shane jumping off the cage. So,
1: I, you know, just the whole thing with that. Um, obviously, he lost to the other figure at WrestleMania, but yet. He still got named Commissioner of SmackDown, and Shane McMahon is doing wonders with SmackDown, which leads me to this point. This week, the last week of 2016, SmackDown beat Raw in ratings. For the first time in a very, long time. very long time. So kudos to Shane McMahon and his general manager, Daniel Bryan. Obviously, uh, WWE World Champion AJ Styles, John Cena, Dean Ambrose, uh, American Alpha, the Miz, Dolph Ziggler, you guys all deserve it. You know, I, I applaud you guys for having, having you know, finishing off 2016 very strong. Uh, but Shane McMahon is my best storyline of the year. Um, sure. Do you want to do yours, or do you want me to tell you what my worst storyline of the year? I'm going to do my best storyline of the year because I think it's going to lead into your worst. Good.
0: For me, just because of how out there it is, broken Matt Hardy. Ooh. Broken Bat Hardy, for me, is my best storyline of the year because, literally, you're taking a guy who's well-established. I know you weren't a big fan of his work. But a well-established guy who basically, I'm not even going to say did a 180. He went into like a fourth or fifth dimension. (laughs) He created an entire freaking universe, an entire world, and, like, literally does nothing out of character. He went on, like, Chris Jericho's podcast. I think he went on Jim Ross's podcast and was completely in the broken Matt Hardy character the entire time, and, you know, he's built, like, like, he's got... (laughs) Uh, Senor Benjamin, who's his gardener, in real life it's, you know, his father-in-law, but literally built this absolutely nutty character that is, I mean, we've seen so many things in professional wrestling, but we've never seen anything like this. Yeah, there's been some stupid crap associated with it, but, like, in general, the storyline and and the kind of world and character he built, to me, arc-wise, is, like, one of the greatest things in professional wrestling that's happened, at least in my view. You
1: know I know you thought that I was actually going to go with Broken Matt Hardy as my worst storyline of the year. I disagree with that. Sure? I actually think that, that finally it took him like three and a half bajillion years, but Matt Hardy finally found something that he can go with that he threw on the wall and it stuck. I actually enjoy the Broken Matt Hardy character. I always thought that Matt Hardy was a tool. <laughs> There's no sugarcoating it. I always thought he was a tool. When he was with Lita and she left him, I couldn't have been happier in, about anything in my entire life. Every time Matt Hardy lost the match, I was happy. Every time he got his ass kicked, I was happy. I've had wrestling video games for the PS2, and the or not the PS, the PS3 and the Wii, and I've always had Matt Hardy, and I've beaten the living hell out of Matt Hardy. I'm convinced that if, What I did to Matt Hardy in video games was real life. He would have been dead at least 17 times. Seriously. I I think there was one that I actually hit him with 14 straight concertos. So, I really just could not stand Matt Hardy. I never liked his gimmick. He was just like this big, giant doofus. He had the worst fucking entrance song. He had the worst fucking entrance. Like, just, you know, the way he went through, through the ring and everything. He looked like he was just like this big Dumb fuck. He kind of makes, <laughs> he makes, he makes, you know, broken, or before broken Matt Hardy, Matt Hardy used to look like what Eli Manning looks like after he throws an interception.
0: Uh-huh. That was
1: Matt Hardy. Uh, you know, he did this stupid thing. The broken Matt Hardy thing is, is actually fantastic. I'm glad he found something. Doesn't mean I like him, but I'm glad that he found something that works.
0: All right. So what is your worst storyline of
1: the year? I'm going to channel my inner Sean O, and I'm going with this one. James fucking Ellsworth is the worst storyline, not only of this year, but it is the worst storyline that the WWE has come up with since the Katie Vick storyline that they had back in the early 2000s. That's how bad the James Ellsworth thing. It was a nice little thing at the beginning when they brought in Braun Strowman to do all these squash matches against the local competitors. I thought it was kind of funny that they let you know some of them have like some mic time at the beginning of the match, or they would give them an entrance, or what have you, and you know, it was fine. Then they brought him out on SmackDown, and he was supposed to be AJ Styles' surprise tag team partner, and on his way to the ring, he got, and he got attacked by The Miz, which I marked out for, by the way. And then the Miz became a tag team partner. But this whole thing where Ellsworth is constantly beating AJ Styles in non-title matches, and he had that one where he was for the title, and he, I think he won by disqualification, or he lost by yeah. disqualification, or he's three and zero against AJ Styles. So clearly he won by disqualification. And you know the fact that he caused Dean Ambrose the title at TLC, and then he got absolutely obliterated by AJ Styles when they finally had their title match. This whole James Ellsworth thing is the worst storyline of the year. And it's not even close. As much as I was thinking about putting that
0: on my list...
1: Oh, I can't wait to hear it then. If you got something completely different... I've I got something completely different. I, I think can... you're going to enjoy this, too. Tell me, this is going to be good. I, I can't wait for this. Worst storyline
0: of the year is the Roman Reigns' Rise of Power. <laughs> the idea of this storyline, and the reason why, to me, this is the worst storyline is they're trying to build him up to be the next Superman. But, but
1: he, he's not just a good guy, he's
0: not a bad guy, he's, he's the, the guy! But the thing is, they're trying to build him up to be the babyface superhero. They were trying to do everything in their power from, you know, basically the time that he, uh, they had the, what ended up being a triple threat match against Brock Lesnar, trying everything in their power to get him to be over as the good guy, baby face, that everybody loves. And when they had the Royal Rumble last year, and you had Roman Reigns lose and had Triple H win the title, you know, they're trying to build sympathy for Roman Reigns, and they're trying to put all these obstacles in his way to be like, Come on, man. Give this guy a break. Blah, 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 blah. They do all that. And the payoff at WrestleMania, he beats Triple H to, uh, you know, smattering of the biggest crowd in sports entertainment history of people booing. And I think it's the worst storyline because... They put everything they could into this storyline to make it work, to make it do what they wanted it to do. And the fans said, yep. fuck you, yep, because you're not doing this to us. If we like him, we'll cheer for him. And that, to me, is why this is the worst storyline, because they put
1: all their eggs into this basket, and it was a complete <coughs> and utter... Failure. Oh, by the way, you forgot to mention the fact that he failed a wellness test this year, too. So that really just dampered it, because he was actually on pace to win the Universal title, and then he got popped.
0: Good job, Roman. But, I mean, yeah, uh, that, you know, that, but like, it was the storyline of building up yeah, to WrestleMania that, like, it was a failure on every level.
1: And not only that, but they had the worst match at WrestleMania this year, too. I didn't think their match was bad. I think that for for me, the crowd was so amped
0: up from that Hell in a Cell match that it's hard to like. Once the crowd gets so invested in that, on top of the fact that WrestleMania this year was almost six hours long, I mean, they tried to put that little thing with the Rock and the and the Wyatt family in between to kind of be six something to put something in between that Hell in a Cell match and the main event. But, like, the main event ended up, you know, it took him and Triple H three-quarters of the match to get the crowd even mildly into what was going on. And, I mean, part of that, again, was fatigue from being an all-day event, fatigue from seeing the crap that Shane and The Undertaker did, and... I didn't think it was a terrible match, it just, nothing about that did what they wanted it to. Yep. And that's why I think it's the worst storyline that they had all year. I can't argue
1: that, and you know what, I actually thought you were going to go somewhere completely different than that, so kudos to you for actually throwing me a curveball there. But, you know, that, that that was, I mean, come on, I mean, it's not like the WWE has ever done anything stupid before.
0: <laughs> right.
1: Right. All right, what's the next award? On our agenda. Um, you want to go with Tag Team of the Year? We can go Tag Team of the Year.
0: Let's let's go
1: with Tag Team of the Year. How about you kick this one off, then?
0: You know, as much as I don't want to be the guy that said, well, they had the Tag Team titles the whole year, I'm going to have to go with the New Day. Uh, you know, part of me and my brain, like, it, you know, because this isn't necessarily just guys who, you know, have held titles for a long time. To to me, you know, I'm a fucking wrestling fan, and the wrestling fan in me wanted wanted to say Enzo and Big Cass. And you can't teach that. And I was like, you know what? New Day for most of the year for me was entertaining as hell. They took what was a gimmick that was failing, turned it around,
1: made it into something positive. With the box of cereal and the T-shirts, and the freaking unicorn hats, and I definitely would never buy one of those. But literally, like, they took a bad gimmick and made it
0: work. work, And, you know, as much uh, of right now, to me, it's gotten a bit stale. Uh, You know, there were glimpses on Monday of them kind of doing new things, which I'm glad to see. And if they're going to continue as a team, they need to – keep on evolving as far as that goes. If they're going to break them up soon, you know, I guess we'll see what happens. But for me, New Day Tag Team of the Year.
1: That's a very good choice. I mean, obviously you went with the chalk in that one. And yeah. I've seen you betting at horse racing, so that doesn't surprise me that you bet the chalk in this one. I would politely disagree. No, that- I mean, there's nothing wrong with that choice them being the tag team champions and breaking Demolition's record this year warrants them to be the tag team of the year. I mean,
0: literally, they were the tag team champions the entire year except for the last, you know, week, two
1: weeks. Right. So, for me, I'm going to think a little bit more outside the box. Sure. I know that you could go with The New Day. You could go with Enzo and Big Cass. You can go with The Revival. Um, You can go with uh, Anderson and Gallows, because they also returned to WWE this year. I know where you're going. I'm going to go with The Ascension. <laughs> I'm just kidding, man. I'm not going with The Ascension as my Tag Team of the Year. Do you want to know who my Tag Team of the Year is? You're going to love this pick, too. I think I know who it is. I'm going with Broken Matt Hardy and Brother Nero. Really? Tag Team of the Year. They have redefined their characters. with The whole Broken Matt Hardy thing... He developed a character. There was still that Jeff Hardy. They had a little exchange at the, at the Hardy compound, and then Jeff Hardy became Brother Nero. Brother Nero! Mm-hmm. I can't even do it like he can, but um, I think it's excellent. They won the, the, the TNA Tag Team Championships. They're still the TNA Tag Team Champions. They had the Tag Team Apocalypto, which was a complete dud. Mm-hmm. But I'm pretty sure we're going to do uh, Worst Match of the Year at some point, too, aren't we?
0: Well, I'll figure out
1: a Worst Match of the Year. I, I think I think you can't. It's not okay. that hard. I mean, you could just put James Ellsworth versus a fucking puppy dog, and it would be the worst match of the year. Right. Well, I think that those guys have really evolved themselves. They really put TNA at, into the forefront because they really didn't have that star power. I mean, they have guys like Bobby Lashley, and they have guys like... Are they,
0: well, they've got know, EC3, they've I'm got uh,
1: Teddy Edwards. That's what I was thinking of. I'm sorry. Um, but, yeah, I mean, they really needed somebody to be that star power and the Hardy Boys really just elevated themselves and really made a name for the company, you know, for the, for the, uh... The for TNA. I TNA. mean, literally,
0: TNA has not gotten a lot of good press for many reasons this year, mostly because the company was in dire straits. And, the, you know, one of the few highlights for them were the Hardys and at least trying to do something different. I mean, if you look at all the time that they have, like the, uh... Total non stop deletion type shows, ratings go up because people are like, they want to see what the hell happens. Whether it's a train wreck or whether it's entertaining, people just want to see what the heck is this freaking thing that we're going to see because, yep. I mean, it almost seems like a freaking acid trip. Yep, pretty much but the way they redefined themselves it's been incredible. I thought you were going to go with Rhino
1: and Keith uh, Slater. Slater. I thought about that but then I said, "You know what? I I got to give love to the Hardees. I had to. I'm sorry."
0: Yeah. They had a great year. So I yeah, I, actually,
1: I have another I actually have another uh let's oh, see, oh. Hey, I got another uh, category that we're going to go discuss here. Um <laughs> in our next category for uh the 2016 F&Marks Award Show Uh, The category is the wettest hair category, and the nominees are Rusev, Razor Ramon, Roman Reigns, and Kurt Angle. And the winner of the wettest hair award for the F Marks award show is Roman Reigns. He's got the wettest hair. So I, I I don't really have an award for Roman Reigns and I really don't want to hear his acceptance speech. So you know I'm not even going to send it to him. Uh, I don't even think he can even put together a feasible. <laughs> <laughs> you, you know what the Roman Reigns would probably give
0: you, like Roman Reigns only has a few different facial expressions he does on TV. One of which he does this thing where he looks he's supposed to look like he's disgusted, but it looks like he just smelled a bad fart. Yeah, I think that's what the face he would give now would be like.
1: That's a, that's a hell. Of, I mean, that's a hell of an accomplishment. I mean, he, you know, and everybody thought that Roman Reigns wasn't going to win an award on our award show tonight. And you know, I proved them all wrong. Roman Reigns, congratulations, man. He was you also know, in the you know, worst storyline of the year he was too. Also worst storyline of the year. You're, gonna, you're gonna, I guess he's gonna. He, that's two awards for him then. So you know, you know, it's it's only gonna get better for him. Maybe he can make some clean sweeps. Maybe he'll win a few more awards tonight. You and you in, never know. In the words of Kevin Garnett, anything's possible. Yeah. We still have Superstar of the Year.
0: We have Superstar of the Year. Uh, all, right, uh, uh, all right, so we'll get back to, like, a category.
1: What was oh, wrong with my, my
0: category? category? Your category was fine. We're going to get back to...
1: Oh, actual uh, stuff that happened in 2006. Okay. Oh, oh
0: and, and you know what? Uh, we'll go with ADHD right here for a moment. You mentioned Kurt Angle. Kurt Angle actually this week came out and said that he only has two more independent bookings and he's going back to WWE. I don't know what this means. I don't know if this means that uh, Angle's showing up at the Rumble or if he's shown up the night after WrestleMania. Either way, I, I hope to see Angle back in WWE in whatever role, because nope. you know what? Angle is one of those dudes. He worked as a, a comedic performer. He works as an ass kicker and... He could still go in the ring, like, yeah, he's older, and I think, you know, you have to pick your spots with him at this point, because, you know, he can't go on a full WWE uh, traveling schedule, but right. if you pick and choose similar to what they do with, do with Lesnar, you know, I think he he'll, He could still go in the ring and still entertain. I, I would like to see him on TV at least more often than we see
1: Brock, even if it's
0: in a non-physical role. Right. So I agree.
1: And I would love to see when he returns. I think it's interesting. His last two independent shows, his opponents are former WWE superstars, Alberto Del Rio, AKA Alberto El Petrode and Cody, AKA Stardust, AKA Dash and Cody Rhodes, AKA um, Cody Rhodes. Cody Rhodes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's what we'll go with.
0: All right. So, uh, Another category: Best Villain of the Year. Ooh, best I like that one, villain. Uh, for me, uh, this one was kind of easy. For me, I went with Kevin Owens because, like, there—I guess there are a couple of guys that could be uh, villains, like top-level villains. Uh, for me, like Kevin Owens, like absolutely sells every moment of just trying to be a dick. And sometimes clearly he does. Well, I mean, he did block I mean, us. We,
1: we, I mean, we found out firsthand that Kevin Owens could be a freaking dick.
0: Well, and that's the thing that against our podcast, he was the biggest villain for us. You know,
1: I, I you know, I want you to finish up, and then I'm going to ask a, a question sure. to our Facebook and Twitter peoples. Sure. So, let you, I want you to finish your, your your case for Kevin Owens as the biggest heel. But basically, Owens is a throwback heel. He does
0: not necessarily try to do things to get popular. Um, he says things to incite the crowd. And, you know, a lot of times he'll come out to cheers, but by the, within 30 seconds, he could flip the crowd just like that. Yep. He's just really good at what he does. And, you know, we were one of the folks that cheered him. And within 30 seconds, he flipped the switch with us it, and he blocked nice us because we made fun of him about it looked like we... He had the look of somebody who stole his cupcake.
1: But, like, that bad.
0: but the thing is, I think on screen as a character, I mean, I just <laughs> remember specifically, they had, right before they had the, the Fatal 4-Way with him in Cesaro, and, and uh, was it, we mentioned it before, and I'm already blank, and was it Rollins in and, and Miz? Anyway, the, the four other guys in the Fatal Four way for the...
1: Cesaro, oh, yeah, there the Miz you go. And
0: Kevin Owens. I mean, one of my favorite moments of the year was when they teamed up uh, Miz and Kevin Owens a, as a team player against the, the other two, uh, and I think it was on SmackDown, which would be very appropriate. Oh, but, like, literally when the teams were made... Kevin Owens just starts yelling at the top of his lungs. Oh my God, he's the worst one. He's the worst one in the match. But like, absolutely berating the Miz because I don't think uh, Miz had gone like full heel, full.
1: Right.
0: But like, it was just like a funny moment. But like, he was being a heel and being a
1: dick. Right. So I'll go Kevin Owens. Fair enough. And I just want to ask you, people in Twitter land and people in Facebook world. What do you think would get the deserve to be um, warranting of a blocking on Twitter? Would it be telling Kevin Owens that he has a look on his face like somebody stole his cupcake? Would it be uh, Neville and constantly getting badgered about being a Keebler elf? Looking like a Keebler Keebler elf. Looking like a Keebler elf and having somebody tweet about him working in the hollowed-out trees and all that stuff? Or do you think it would be Noel Foley... If I had told her that I would eat bootios out of her booty. thats I'm just curious. And, because and we, only got,
0: we only got blocked by one of them. We only
1: got blocked by one of them. And to be honest, you actually thought that we were going to get blocked by Noel Foley too. And I'm really yeah. surprised she didn't block us. But I'm sure that she's heard worse things from fans either tweeting or you know, commenting on her Instagram or on her Facebook or whatever. Um, but... Obviously, I Kevin Owens he's... gets more hurt about cupcake jokes and him being a fat fuck than uh, Noel Foley has of guys saying that they want to eat cereal out of her ass. So, <laughs> clearly, <laughs> there's something wrong with this picture. Either Noel Foley has a much thicker skin than Kevin Owens, or Kevin Owens is just a bigger bitch than Noel Foley. Right. But for me, my, uh, my uh, heel of the year, or the villain of the year, if you want to go with that route, I wanted to say Samoa Joe because of how he handled the Bring Me Nakamura or Bring Me the Title. He attacked Nakamura after their championship match that they had. Then he started beating up everybody. I would love to say Samoa Joe, but you know, as a gambler, they always tell you to go with your and not with your. Unfortunately, in a situation like this, I'm not going to go with. I'm going to go with this, and I'm going to go with the man that I've been a fan of for a very long time, and in my opinion the absolute truest heel in the WWE. Probably the best is, year of his career. And the best year of his career, and that's The Miz. The Miz has defined himself as the number one heel in the WWE. Because, like you said with Kevin Owens, that he, you know, he can flip the switch on the crowd like that. Uh, AJ Styles, another guy that, you know, they'll cheer him and then he'll say, "Oh, you shouldn't cheer me, you can kiss my ass type of thing. And he gets them to, thank you, Kawa. Um, I would like to, you know, I, you know, he, he's just one of those people that it's kind of like, a, they're like tweeners, you know, people will cheer him and then he has to do something to get people to boo him. With The Miz, the second his music hits, they're booing the shit out of him. He could save a freaking a house full of puppies from a fire and still get booed by everybody. He could come up with the cure for the common cold and still get booed by everybody. The Miz is by far the one heel because he is the natural heel where he doesn't have to do anything to flip the the fans from going from, you know, cheering him to booing him. He just, he just, and, and, you know, it's hard, especially like with Chris Jericho. Chris Jericho, people love him and everything he, he does, but, you know, he has to go like quiet, quiet, quiet. You can call people stupid idiots and everything. The Miz, just seeing that scowl on his face with his... his Hot his, wife, his giving no, the case. 10 out of 10 wife that he gets. He is the definitive person when it comes to actual heels in the wwe
0: i mean i i enjoy when
1: he goes when my hand goes up your mouth goes shut he's he's just fantastic and he's just like i said he's evolved his character and i think that and i really am really starting to think that i picked the wrong person for my breakout star of 2017 but i right. think that the miz is definitely the guy in my opinion who is the number one heel in all of wwe
0: I, I i can't argue too much with that i mean Miz had a spectacular year, uh, and again, adding Maurice back into the mix with Miz, I think really just whew, brought his presentation up a bit. So, right, love it. Me too. All right, and I uh, love
1: too.
0: now do we want to do? We'll go with this. Uh, woman performer of the year. Who is, who is your favorite woman wrestler this year? Do
1: I really have to answer that? I don't even want to pick it. I don't even want to. Why? I don't even have to. Why? You already know where I'm going to go. I think they all know where I'm going to go. Everybody should know where I'm going to go, where I'm going to pick uh, who is going to be my woman of the year. Okay. It's my future ex-wife. SmackDown women's champion Alexa Bliss. All right. And it's not just because of the fact that, you know, she's exactly what I'm looking for in a woman where she's five feet tall and she's blonde with beautiful eyes And, you know, she's got a really nice body. It's because of the fact that, you know, she also won the women's championship. Ugh, not Charlotte. Um, (laughs) She's a heck of a heel. And the thing about the difference between her and Charlotte, because obviously Alexa Bliss is somebody who's really just getting into character, whereas Charlotte just, hell, she, she had to learn from her father. Her father is one of the greatest heels to ever wrestle in professional wrestling. So she kind of evolved and just learned from him. Um, and, you know, she's just became what she has because of who her father is. Alexa Bliss was somebody who was a manager of a, of a nowhere tag team. And she kind of like broke away from them and she developed her character. She got called up at the draft. I mean, she was a late round pick and she really has developed into somebody who is the number one heel on SmackDown. She's getting a lot better on the mic. She's defining her character, and she's pretty good in the ring. I'm going with Alexa Bliss as my female performer of the year, and I am disappointed that I couldn't say either Becky Lynch or Sasha. Right. Uh,
0: For me, my female performer of the year, uh, I guess just a little bit of a... Homer pick? No, it's not a Homer pick at all. I'm going with Asuka. I didn't even think of Asuka. Oh, shit. I love Asuka. I love the fact that she rarely talks, but, like, you see something in her eyes that she is, like, a little crazy, Mm -hmm. and she just goes out there and beats the living crap out of everybody. You know, they just showed a match uh, from when they went to Japan where it was her against Nia Jax. And... I mean, Nia's much bigger, so, I mean, Oscar really has to do a bunch of stuff to, you know, kind of chop her down. And, like, both of these ladies put everything out there, and they <laughs> absolutely, like, watching the match, I was getting tired because, like, you could see that they're, like, laying it into each other, and, like, their hair is all over the place, and just, like, I was like... All right, it was not technically the greatest match, but it doesn't need to like you don't need to be the greatest in the ring. Like Asuka has a mystique about her just cuz she has the unique wardrobe. She has like the unique entrance with the face mask. Uh you know, they with Asuka, she really kind of NXT's been good at controlling when she talks. You know, they make sure they do it like in interview setting because obviously English is not her first language. So you know, they want to make sure they portray the best thing of Asuka. So Asuka to me is my female star of the year. It would have been really easy for for me to say Charlotte. In Charlotte had a phenomenal year. Charlotte was a pheno- has been a phenomenal heel ever since she put that that turn on her father. She has been nothing but full-on bitch, yep. and she's been fantastic. But, yeah, I've got to go with Oscar with this. Just She, like, as much it, yes, you should follow us. We we have a lot of fun on uh, Monday Night Raw, and when we're live tweeting, I think you would enjoy some of the stupid crap we come
1: up with. And typically when we're drinking during our podcast, we're a little bit more entertained than we are right now. Hey we're, we're I mean hard. we're doing good, but I'm just we're just that much potato You know, and I and Kawa brought up a good point with the hot potato, potato on the belt. belt on Raw. I really wanted to make that my storyline that I hated for this year. I really did, but you know James Ellsworth is just that little rodent.
0: Uh, our Twitter handle is the F underscore N Marks.
1: The f. Underscore n Marks is, is our Twitter handle. Um, if you follow us, we will definitely follow back. Absolutely, um, we we you know we would love to hear it. You know we love it when you guys come in and chime in on our you know when we're doing our Twitter when we're our doing Facebook, the live Twitter we're and doing our live. It.
0: So yeah, uh, we definitely uh, we it, appreciate enjoy the, the love.
1: love absolutely. But trade the dot. Yeah, we we got you. We're going to definitely follow you, dude. So this is podcast. I'm going to write it down on the list. You just made the list. All right. Yeah, we will definitely follow you. We'll we're definitely going to, you know, we'll follow back on you too, Kawa, if we haven't already. Um, yeah, absolutely. We love the love. We love it when you guys chime in. It makes it, our podcast a little bit more entertaining because it gives us, Well, it you know, gets
0: us to engage with, instead of just talking between the two, two of, of us, us. We, we get to interact with everybody. And I I, I, I enjoy that. Let's see if I. I don't know if that's showing backwards. You're on the list.
1: Doesn't say the list, but you you
0: made that list.
1: <laughs> uh,
0: so yeah, Asuka, my female performer of the year. I I would love to see her up on the main roster. I think she has a little bit more to do on NXT. And sounds good, Trey. But we'll we'll see. We'll we'll see what they do with Asuka in the coming year. Uh, and I don't know how they would treat her on the main roster. I think she would do better for herself to end up on SmackDown. Yes. Uh, so that would be my female performer of the year. Uh, mark out moment of the year. This one's tough. I have a few things that like really, really stood out awesome. head and shoulders above everything else. Yep. Like there were two like right off the top of my brain, and I went back and forth. Whether which one to go with. And for me, I went with AJ Styles' debut at the Royal Rumble. And the reason why I went with that, it wasn't just that one moment. Like, there had been whispers that it was going to happen. And this guy had been working his tail off for the last 15 years between TNA, Ring of Honor, New Japan traveling, doing the indies, and to kind of finally have that fulfillment of making it to the big time. And from that moment, doing what he's done on the biggest stage in the world for professional wrestling, you know, from finally getting a WrestleMania match to beating John Cena cleanly at SummerSlam and winning the title, you know, that initial moment was just so, like, it was incredible. Like, like at first, like, when I heard the song, the song to me was, like, this is weird. I, I, I didn't understand yep. and, and get get it. But now, like, that we've kind of heard the song for a year, yep. I dig the song. But, like, seeing him come out in WWE ring at the Royal Rumble, lasting, I think it was somewhere in the neighborhood of 25 minutes. 30. Was and... Just like, absolutely killed it, absolutely killed it.
1: So you know what, Cal? Uh, when we actually did it, because every week we do our markout moments and everything. I remember the Kotoobushi Cedric Alexander match specifically from the Cruiserweight Classic because that that week, uh, that match and what led to Cedric Alexander getting you know the, the right. place just you know going and erupting for him and. um the fact that you know Triple H came out and celebrated with him and everything, I that was my mark out moment of that week was the Cedric Alexander Kota Bushi with Triple H and Cedric, leading to Cedric Alexander ultimately getting hired by the WWE. So that is also that is a fantastic mark out moment of, of the year. Um, if we're doing the top ten matches of the year, that that was definitely, definitely on honest. my list. That, I actually was was debating that one before I even came up with DIY versus the Revival. Yeah. Um, you son of a bitch though. God fucking damn it. You stole my fucking mark-out moment of the year. You know, you know, every week, every week we go at it. Every week you come up with something and I come up with something. And every week you fucking beat me. And I said, you know what? For the... For the, 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 the se the season finale of the F&Marks podcast, you know what? I, I was like, you know what? I got something. I got a great moment. I got the best moment. The mark-out moment of the year. It is the best one. And you know what? I don't think Jay's going to come up with it because he's going to come up with something like Bobby Roode coming out as glorious. Or he's going to come up with, you know, uh, I know, Dolph Ziggler not, you, you, you know, know, keeping his job and everything. Jesus Christ, people are calling me right now. And it's just, you're, you're, I figured it was like Dolph Ziggler not losing his job or the returning of the Spirit Squad. No, no. You had to steal my goddamn markout moment of the year, didn't you? I was actually going to say AJ Styles entering the Royal Rumble. That was and is still going to be my markout moment of the year. So, goddamn it, you had to steal it from me.
0: All right. If you, if you want what my 1B is, I'm going to...
1: I'm no, going to no, tell no, you about no, my 1B. No, no, you no, don't need no, to no, listen. No, I don't
0: want to know You hey, co- hey, close here. your ears, and I'm going to tell them. My 1B was the returning of Shane McMahon. Returning of Shane McMahon being coming back after seven years gone, and that pop that he got in Detroit was absolutely ridiculous, and all the things, again, similar to AJ Styles, all the things that it led to after that. Just like, you know, made that moment even bigger. But like that, those were the two I was going back and forth with. Shane coming back—I mean, nobody saw that coming. With with uh, AJ, people kind of knew that AJ was heading WWE. Whereas with with Shane, nobody had the faintest idea that right. he was coming back, and it led to that match, the Hell in the Cell match. It led to him you know, now being the commissioner of SmackDown, you know, and he's back more or less on a full-time basis here. So that would have, that would, those were the two I was going back and forth with, but I went with AJ because, you know,
1: he's the performer in the ring, so. You want my 1B then? Sure. Okay, I'll give you my 1B. Bronstrom and Gronk spiking James Ellsworth, and, and Bronstrom's first night by himself on Monday Night Raw. That was my my one B mark moment of the year.
0: And if I if I were to if we were to <coughs> kind of delve like a couple of things down lower on the list, you know, like Nakamura's entrance at Takeover with the, the viol, single violin, the violin player, player, that thing was awesome. You know, there were things like that throughout the year. The Miz,
1: the Miz having his segment on uh, Talking Smack where he actually, like, lost his shit on Daniel Bryan. Bryan and Daniel Bryan stormed off the set definitely was in consideration for my out moment of the year. Um, geez, I, even, like, Enzo and Big Cass making their debuts on Monday Night Raw, the uh, Monday after WrestleMania, yeah. is definitely something that's, that, was cool. that was also considered. But, obviously, there's no, nothing can compare to what AJ Styles has has done and has become with the WWE as a short like time. WWE champion.
0: All right, there's only one one thing left.
1: Hey, Superstar sir? of the year. Okay. You don't want to do like a broadcaster of the year?
0: Uh well, I mean everybody I knows who the mean, broadcaster yeah, David Otonga. Right.
1: Everybody knows who the broadcaster of the year is. Corey Graves. Absolutely. Without even questioning. Sorry, Corey, we would have given you a little bit more love on in the in the podcast, but, you know, it's we're it's starting to dwindle down, and we really want to get to the superstar of the year. But Corey Graves is definitely the commentator of the year. A close second is David Otunga, <laughs> and, a, and a close third is Byron Saxton. Right. But Corey Graves... And fourth is a fishbowl. <laughs> Fish Tank? You know, Fish I, I tank. keep forgetting that we have to tag her in our, in our podcast. So she We should. That's, I, know she would, I thought she would pick. She would enjoy. Yeah. Uh, she would definitely uh, pick. Michael her, Cole would be her she favorite. She would pick Michael Cole as her favorite.
0: Yeah. Um,
1: all right. So, superstar of the year.
0: I'll let you go first so I don't steal your thunder.
1: You're still going to steal it anyway, so it doesn't even matter. My superstar of the year is a man who debuted this year he went out to wrestlemania and he lost obviously losing at wrestlemania in your in your debut god damn it they're so good it's like i'm that predictable isn't it it's what yeah. it is it's, it's i'm that predictable isn't it right he debuted earlier this year he lost at wrestlemania but it's not like he lost to like fandango or anything he lost to the goat he eventually took out john cena he eventually won the WWE World Championship, and to right now, heading into 2017, my superstar of the year for the WWE and professional wrestling altogether is AJ Styles. All right. I don't even think I need to go into any more detail. I think we've discussed it just throughout our our uh, podcast and everything for today, That I mean, how AJ Styles has been to this company and everything, and I would say AJ Styles. Alright, I I went with a
0: slightly different route, because, you know, with tag teams, I, I, I went with the chalk, I went with the New Day. For me, Superstar of the Year, it's not championships, it's character and what the hell you do. Chris Jericho, Superstar of the Year. To me, far and away, like, just everything this guy does, you know... Somebody had asked why, we, or mentioned Y2J when we were talking about best villain. Yeah. Unfortunately for me, I can't put him completely under villain because the list is something people love and cheer for. Chris, Chris Jericho... I, he has such a hard time by keeping the people booing
1: him. But The thing about Chris Jericho is he a very unique and a special individual. And I am very happy as a wrestling fan that I've actually gotten to enjoy Chris Jericho as a performer uh, in the ring and on the mic. He is definitely one of the top wrestlers when it comes to being in, like, in the ring. But think about this: he has gotten not one but two. Oh lord! (laughs) Roman Reigns. He's got he's got two lists, not just one, but two lists over in his career. Because if you remember back in his WCW, oh, I know back, you remember, oh. but back in his WCW days, he had the because Malenko at the time had the list. He the, had back, a, the
0: moniker of he, the man of a, a
1: thousand holds. So Chris Jericho was like, "Well, I'm the man of a thousand and four holds, and here is my list." And he actually came out with a list, and he's got a list of a thousand and four holds, and it was
0: with one of those old school computer programs. Yeah,
1: and and, and granted, you know, 36 times on the list was armbar. And he had, like, the Saskatchewan Duan. suplex combo thingy. And, oh, you know, he got that scary. over. He got over the list of Jericho where people are just, like, these stupid idiots. He's gotten over a jacket. He's gotten over a scarf. Crick he's gotten over, in, he's gotten over a potted plant. Chris Jericho could get over anybody except for Roman Reigns.
0: And that's why I think not only is he the superstar of the year, but to me, he's a guy, and... and When we call him the greatest of all time, it's not us, you know, like, trying to blow smoke or anything. Think of this. You think of a guy like John Cena. You think of a guy like Hulk Hogan. You know, Hogan was the same character for such a long time. People got sick of him, and, you know, finally he made the turn to Hollywood Hulk Hogan. But more or less, he was two characters for his, like, 25 years in the ring.
1: What about when he was Mr. America?
0: That was basically the same character he was in the 80s. But, like, Cena was the doctor of Thugonomics, but then more or less has been back to, super, you know, being Superman for all these years. Chris Jericho, every time he goes out there, when he comes back, he does something different. He and he gets something different over. And it's not like the evolution is a mild evolution. Like, he came back with a fucking light-bright jacket. That was the best. And he got the light-bright jacket over. Then he came back one time, he's known as a talker, and he didn't talk for a month. Yep. He just went around smiling and trolling.
1: Yep.
0: Then he came back, that, uh, then he had that run where, you know, he had the suit and he just had this the scowl, scowl on, on his face, face which was right around the time when he had the very famous, uh, uh, Price is Right thing with Bob Barker where Bob Barker beat him up and it looked like freaking Jericho ate a sour lemon while he's out on stage. The guy, like, I loved him back in WCW, I did too. uh, you know, with the stupid stuff he did there and he just constantly evolves and const like, He, above anybody else, knows kind of what the wrestling fans are looking for, or or what he does is so entertaining that it gets them to move towards him. And he's been doing that for 30 years now. So, not only is, to me, Superstar of the Year of getting over a fucking list, Scarf, uh, Captain Morgan goatee, uh, you know, Kind of stupid helping idiot. out uh, Kevin Owens, Kevin Owens, stupid idiot. Uh, and to an extent with Owens, he's almost overshadowed him. But even so, it's helped Owens, I think, in general, bring up his game. And then when Jericho goes away, I think that's going to be a sign of better things for uh, Kevin Owens. But not for the WWE Universe. Right. So, to me, Jericho... Had no peer this year in WWE as far as character. He didn't need to win a title. He was just awesome. <coughs>
1: Excuse me. So, we forgot two categories, by the way. I'm
0: sorry. I, I, I didn't have them on my list.
1: I'm sorry. Uh, worst superstar of the year. I know we probably should sure have done this is before superstar of the year. But we forgot to do like the worst superstar of the year. I didn't even know we were gonna do a worst superstar well, of the year. Well, you know what? Let's throw a curveball in there. Do you have a worst superstar of the year? There's only like two or three people you could say.
0: Uh Eva Marie. Okay. Uh Eva Marie, of a variety of reasons. One they push they're pushing her to the moon despite the fact that she sucks. I mean <laughs> people just absolutely sugar cards a little bit, why don't you? With, With her, she has so so much heat that I guess it'll help the person she's going against, but, like, she's terrible. Not only is she terrible uh, as a character in the ring and what have you, Mm -hmm. but on top of that, she uh, got popped for, like, a wellness violation, uh, and then she got injured, and then she went away, you know, shooting a movie. So, on every level... Her character has failed this year.
1: And I'm glad that we got this now, because I'm going go to go right here in the pages and everything. And uh, is, uh, Yeah, here we go. All right, drum roll, please. Bobby the Brainless's worst wrestler of the year goes to James L. I'm kidding, it's Roman Reigns. A well-deserved victory for Roman Reigns, even more so than when he won the WWE Championship from Triple H at WrestleMania. Roman Reigns is the worst wrestler in the WWE. Hell, he's the worst wrestler in all professional wrestling. All right, I
0: just have a question. Worst wrestler or worst superstar? Is this like a package thing? It's like a package where thing. It, he can't, in,
1: he's, in, a, he's a mediocre wrestler at best. He's a mediocre wrestler at best, and he's even worse on the microphone. He is like... Watching him cut a promo is like watching a three-toed sloth having sex with a freaking, with a loaf of bread. It's just, it's not, it's not watchable. I I can't do it. I just want to, I just, I can't unsee what I saw. So I can't, that's my biggest thing with Roman Reigns. He can't wrestle. He can't cut a promo. And the only reason that he is getting the push that he's been getting is because of the fact that who, what part of the family he's from. He's in the family with The Rock. And he's in the family with Rikishi. And he's in the family with The Usos. And he's got, you know, all the Samoans, you know, that are not related to Samoa Joe. And they're just like, well, because he's part of that family, we've got to push him. And it's just not right. It's the same thing with Charlotte Flair about how she's getting pushed. The big difference is that Charlotte Flair can actually cut a promo and she can wrestle. But still, Charlotte gets pushed to a point where she is because of who her father is. And I think that Roman Reigns is getting pushed to the point where he is because of who his family is and what, what part of the family tree he's on. I would I would have some
0: disagreements with both assessments, just a little bit. Like with Reigns, I think more of his thing is like they like the way he looks.
1: That's, that's, uh, that's, that's it doesn't part of
0: hurt that. that his family is what it is. I don't I don't know how. I'm wondering if like The Rock and Roman Reigns actually saw each other a lot growing up. You know, I'm wondering if, like, yeah, they're cousins, and maybe they see each other at the family reunion once a year. I don't know how close they actually are. So I don't know about that. Now, with Charlotte, yeah, you could say, yeah, it's her dad, and obviously her dad's her dad, and what have you.
1: She's still talented. I'm just saying that it doesn't hurt that she's a flair.
0: One argument I will put forward to you is Dustin Rhodes and Dusty Rhodes. Dustin Rhodes did not become, you know, a, a top-level superstar just by being Dusty Rhodes' oh, he got over offspring. These. And Dustin Rhodes, you know, they were trying to push him as Dusty's offspring and have him be the next generation. It took him developing his own thing. Just look at Cody. Oh, look at Cody. I thought Cody Rhodes was good. Cody so, Rhodes was good, but, you know, part of the... WWE did some bad booking things with Cody, but if you're looking overall at the friggin' picture of things, Dustin Rhodes, who I would say is... Dustin with Dusty and Charlotte and the Nature Boy are a fairly apt comparison, because you're talking top-level people, you know, with their offsprings, where, you know, Dustin was okay, but it took the Gold Dust character, because Dustin had to get out of his father's shadow. shadow. Charlotte needed her father to get her foot in the door, needed her father to give her some credibility with the audience. But when she turned on him, and she's, I mean, yeah, her character isn't a ton different than what his was but she still needed She needed to turn on him. She needed to get out of the shadow. Because when you have a big name like that, then you have...
1: It helps you get in the door, but it doesn't help you get to the top. You know, you really could have just shut down my argument really quick by just bringing up one name, Ted DiBiase Jr.
0: But I'm just saying, like... It helps you get your foot in the door, but the shadow is there. Ted DiBiase never got beyond the shadow. Cody Rhodes, to an extent, got beyond the shadow, but never fully. Right. Because, I mean, Cody, I I enjoyed dashing Cody Rhodes stuff. But then, like, that was a different phase of his character. The paper bag thing was freaking hilarious to me that was a different phase of the character. Yep. But then when they had him become Stardust, Stardust, like, he did his best to make that work, but then he's in the shadow of his brother. Yep. So, you know, stepping out of the shadow, like, yes, Charlotte has been helped by the name. I'm sure Roman Reigns has been helped a bit by the family. I don't think it's... They Mm. need to make it on their own, too. But
1: that's just valid point
0: but even so like roman reigns is like the full package like okay in the ring he has the look uh, and i obviously there's something he has something uh character is not it mike skills are not it they need to
1: they need to do something
0: do anyway. something different with him and and that's why i don't disagree that you know we're a superstar because He's not living up to his potential.
1: and I think this is a great segue for our last award of the night. And that award is the award for the Lifetime Achievement Award. Yes. We are going to give the Lifetime Achievement Award, and we're going to finish off the show with this. And the Lifetime Achievement Award is based on solely it has a lot to do with character, it has a lot to do with longevity. And it has a lot to do with how this person is as an in-ring performer. And I think that the first recipient of the Lifetime Achievement Award for the F and Marks Award Show for the 2016 year goes to a man who definitely defines longevity. Definitely fits into the somebody living in the shadow of his father, and he definitely has surpassed his father for any accomplishment that his father has had. And that award. For lifetime achievement award goes to a man who, on today, December 31st of 2016, the last day of 2016, 706 days, Curtis Axel is still alive. In the 2015 Royal Rumble, congratulations, Curtis. You are the first recipient of the lifetime achievement award from the fucking box. Welcome All right. To the, I just Thank yeah, you. Yeah, yeah. Good job. Well, on that note, Jay, I think we have to uh, get to so
0: We have some parties to get to. We have some
1: festivities we have to get to. Um, again, thank you all for tuning in. To Thanks the for the follows. Thank we'll follow back. We'll definitely follow back. Um, as usual, I am Bobby the Brainless. I'm John ja Rule. Mark out, what's your block out?
0: See you.